Welcome to Blue Collar Mystics, the under the hood approach to the depths of human consciousness. So many mysteries, so little time, so many big words. That's why we aim to take the mystical and make it practical, usable in your everyday life. And you know, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your story. What happened when you started asking yourself the real questions? Like, who am I? What is this? Is it a hologram? Is this some kind of weird cosmic joke? Hey, these are the questions that we are trying to get to the bottom of as we explore the final rabbit hole together here as Blue Collar Mystics. Yeah, that's right. What happened when you started asking yourself the real questions? You lost your job. Your family started fucking <laughs> freaking out on you. Uh, holidays became a little bit more awkward, uh, but it's all good because we're all here together. Uh, and I've got an awesome, awesome show for you guys today. And uh, we're going to talk about some really interesting things. We'll get into the main topic of the day. But first, I just kind of want to welcome you, Juan. I uh, welcome everybody to the show, the Blue Collar Mystics. We are here to to ask these questions, to be a support for all the people. Because I, I don't know about you, <clears throat> we were just talking about how how difficult it can be to kind of look into this stuff, to ask these questions, to go deep, and because you find out shit that you don't want it to be true. It's like this is brutal. I don't want to know this. <laughs> I wish I had never asked this question. You know, these types of buyer's remorse uh, kind of questions. And when I started asking these questions, there was no one, there was, there was very few podcasts or anything even then that even touched on these ideas, but so much has come out. I mean, a flood of information, some of it's shit too, like the mud flood, right? We were just talking about, <laughs> but <clears throat> we're here asking these questions and that's really what it's, what it's so cool about the group and the, the community that we have as, as resources. What's, what's the hardest thing is admitting to being wrong. And I think that's that on an individual level, like as a person, because most people think they have a grasp on the world. I know what the world, I know what life is. I know what the, this is all the shit, but if we can be bold and courageous enough to say, Hey, maybe I am wrong. Like, let me consider some other ideas and possibilities uh, which takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of strength, courage, you know, all that cheesy shit. Uh, but I think it can, I think it can ultimately lead to certainly a better understanding of who we are, but also maybe we can get a little bit more perspective, understand history a little bit, see what's going on in context. Cause it's real easy to be a reactionary if you don't have proper context you know like you're like well this thing just happened to me but in but if you were able to zoom out and see it from a higher level you might see you know all the other influencing factors and maybe not react so you know passionately or without consideration or irrationally um but i love your work i love everything that that you do uh like i was saying to you a little bit before i just had the opportunity to open this i'm, I'm very late to the party but i'm happy to be a late bloomer um, this, the chosen one, one is of course, one Ayala of the one-on-one -on -one podcast. And he's done uh, a comic book now with paranoid American. 
they sent me so many goodies. I got all these cool stickers and cool stuff. So, you know, go and check, go and check that out. Talk, let's talk a little bit about that first, if you don't mind, because like I said, I am late to the party, but it is something that I think is so fucking cool. And, uh, and I'm really glad you guys are doing this because it's, 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 it's a brilliant way. It's like the meme war, right? Like you put out this little meme, right? And it gets kicked in somebody's head. The, mm -hmm. the comic book, I think, is a very similar approach. Yeah, it's definitely a passion product. I don't know about getting rich anytime soon doing it. But yeah, we do the, the Chosen Juan versus the Saturnian Cube. I'm shooting for six issues, right? Because the number six. And mm -hmm. that's Abraxas here in the back, our version of Abraxas. And this, this particular story is about a relic that I get from an interdimensional being and those who do swap casts with me get special powers and as in through paranoid american comics you can either get a copy on his website or my website the 101podcast.com i also do another publication the occultist monday it's a cult and and esoteric topics such as the one that we're going to be talking about today and just different writers from the community mark steves from my family thinks i'm crazy we have paranoid american in there we have slick dissident homie Romy. A bunch of different names i'll see king and if you have some stuff bro laying around that you want to submit feel free i try and put it out every month it's just something i started recently but this this whole comic thing i think that what we were talking about at the beginning a lot of people not only is it like a medium that everyone can relate to right growing up and picking up comic books being and i liked anime too manga and, and things like that and just art, art really portrays these primal ideas. It's crazy that we look at all these ancient civilizations and they have similar symbols. That's because symbols are the language of the soul. And it's just like mathematics, no matter two plus two is two in, in any language, in any place that you're at. And it goes back to symbols. I think that's very important because the whole mimetic occultism thing the reason that a meme resonates with so many people it's not because of what they're observing physically and consciously it's what it does to the subconscious and when it's implanted in that subconscious realm uh, that's why it's so effective but yeah i i love drawing i wish i could draw as best as these guys these guys are really great and funny story the guy the original artist that started with us on this project Igor Shakal, the he started working with the guys from Ripperverse, and they went viral. Damn. They raised over four hundred million dollars for a comic book series, dude. Holy and shit. he got offered a, a. Unfortunately, he had to put us on hold and go and accept a full time gig doing art, which is great for him, right? I mean, good for him. Sucks for us because now we have to find another artist. Because this is a team, and what a lot of people don't understand, it's it's five six people there's a writing process the writing process i don't consider it a writing process because i'm just having fun it's just literally it's literally me and paranoid american on the phone like hey dude you want to put some <laughs> dicks in there it's like dude that's awesome and like we'll be texting each other and be like all right i know this sounds really dumb but hear me out what if he this and he goes dude that's actually really cool so we put it in there like we start with like this blob and then we go refining it as time goes so it becomes its own organic type of thing and that's literally our writing process we'll sit down talk like what do we want to get done well we want to get this done how are we going to get there who are we going to encounter 
etc etc there's lizard people at the dmv okay what's next <laughs> well the lizard people are hanging up their lizard coats they're their people coats on the hangers right and there's still lizard beings right? and at the end of the day they jump into their <laughs> their skin or something so it's just like fun stuff like that that you can't really portray when doing a podcast and i want to branch out i told you about going and doing guided tours around florida I want to just start doing different things, different things that a lot of people not not that a lot of people aren't doing it. You have higher side chats doing similar things. You have the, the guys at Grand America killing it. They're doing mm-hmm. tours yeah. and whatnot, right in the mountains and in Egypt. So I think that's that's what's next as the show grows and and we get a bigger following. And a lot of people mm-hmm. are cool, uh, right? Obviously, you can't read the comments on YouTube because they're cancer, but. <laughs> You know what I'm saying like I'm surrounded with a great group of people in the community and I like bringing people together to brainstorm and and just be fun. And I think the first step, bro, at the core of everything is don't take yourself too seriously, because once you start taking yourself too seriously, the fun gets sucked out of it. And I think part of the alchemical process, because what we were talking about earlier, the reason that for you, you do stand up, the reason that you're able to go up there that that's not easy bro going up there and 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 being vulnerable a lot of people bomb but when you're up there you're making those people feel like hey that that guy's doing he's making it look easy yeah because that's a skill that you have where you put people at ease doing that and i recently just went on those conspiracy guys with gordo and he was talking about that about how these dudes make it look easy and Mm -hmm. it's that's the skill you know, when we're researching these topics and we're portraying these ideas and being able to put them out efficiently to to where you're able to understand them, that's an art. You know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely, dude. And I love that you're branching out into other mediums, right? Like, that's that's so cool. You got in doing podcasts, learning, researching, sharing that information, synthesizing it. And then you're like, well, there's cooler ways to kind of get these ideas across. A comic book would be cool because then we could use actual images, you know, and I think a lot of it does come back to image, right? Like all art forms, I think. Kind everything. Of Iconography is, is right. everything. I mean, the, these yeah. the, people's gods are painted on walls and cathedrals and people yep. go there to worship those images. So iconography is everything. It really is. Yeah. Even in a, a medium like let's say comedy, right? Like you mentioned, if I can get a funny image planted in your head, then you're going to laugh at that image. And ultimately that's what I'm trying to illustrate when I make a point is the absurdity of something so that you see it uh, in your, in your mind's eye. But yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's all magic, right? Like it it really all is. So I'm, I'm excited for you, man. I I know you're going to do a lot of really cool and creative things. What a, what a fun thing to see develop. And any of these, any of these different mediums, like you say, like comedy or, or whatever, dancing, podcasting can i share my screen yeah absolutely um i'll show you something real quick a piece that i got done yesterday on my desktop my computer (laughs) shifted everything around (laughs) but yeah i mean it ultimately really just it comes down to that that creativity and uh and fostering that i think it's so cool to to see it see it develop you know you you put the time in and that's what that alchemy is like for instance stand up like i can't tell you how many times i bombed you know like everyone does and that's part of that process because you got to burn out the the give a fuck out of yourself so that you're comfortable enough on stage that when you do have something to say that's hilarious 
or you want to go on a tangent or a riff, then you don't, you don't fear going down that path. You know, you're like, I'm comfortable. Even if I eat shit, it's fine. And, and that is honestly part of it, especially a process like that. And I love what you said too, like making it look easy. That's the hard part. But go. certainly if someone looks like they're really smooth at something, certainly they're mm -hmm. doing something you can't even fathom, right? Because <clears throat> the one of the questions I get all the time, people writing to me on emails and Instagram and all these things, because dude, I'm a regular guy. I got a regular nine to five. I have two kids, a wife, bills to pay. I got all that stuff, right? So when I do this type of research, I do it for fun. And I like interesting conversation. I like to talk about interesting things. So I research what's interesting to me and what you were mentioning at the beginning, how you, you weren't hearing certain people talk about certain things. Well, that's why the, how the Juan on Juan podcast was born. Cause I said to myself, the Juan on Juan, well, it's, it's, it's kind of racist if somebody else says it, right? cause it's kind of like, it's kind of like that, that Mexican Hispanic, sure. the most generic <laughs> name that there is. I hated my name growing up. I was like, Juan on Juan. All right, let's, let's do it. But then I can always count on Juan to show up. Juan will always be there. And Juan's the guy to, Juan's the guy to, to look for and count on. So I said, okay, I can count on myself. I can't count on anybody else. That's why I don't have a co-host or anything. And I said, okay, Juan wants to hear about things that Juan likes. So boom, that's why when these shows like Rogan, Tim Foe, Hat, shout out to Sam Tripley, all these other shows that, that give you just a tip, right? The highlights of a certain topic. I wanted more. I wanted what's below that iceberg. What's, what's you know, after the tip, what, what comes? And that's esotericism where you start to dive deep into one specific topic, peel all its layers back, and then you're kind of sort of done. It's, there's some people who dedicate their entire lives for one specific topic. Like they're known for that one specific thing. Well, I'm sort of like that, but every few months I'll switch it up. You know, this month will be the homunculus. The next month it'll be whatever. Then a month after that. So I was hearing, I wanted to dive deeper into certain topics and they just weren't being covered on other podcasts. So I said, let me just start my own and do that myself. Do that, the dirty work myself. And that's, that's a, one of my newest piece, bro. Trust the the seance and make a homunculus bro there you go so we all wanted to trust the science right well trust it because <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude that's dope i love that uh, you know, science seance wow those are really close and yeah uh, and I th it's, it's all the same bro like we're saying we're saying you know you're doing magic when you're doing stand-up these dudes are doing alchemy but they just named it chemistry and quantum physics and all right. this other stuff, but it's, it, it all goes back. So what I wanted to portray here was a modern day scientist studying a grimoire, right? This is a grimoire or an encyclopedia or a textbook. It doesn't have to be called a grimoire. And the fact that he's in a modern setting making a homunculus, well, it just shows you, right? They wanted to trust the science. Well, the science, what are the roots of that? And it's these dudes in the alchemical caves back then that were mixing their sperm and all this stuff together to try and make a human creation well just fast forward that and what, what's ivf it's the same thing creating a human being outside of the matrix which is the womb and inserting that into the womb of a woman in hopes that it's going to grow into a full-term baby that's the same thing brother except these guys are wearing white lab coats and they got gloves on <laughs> that's it but it's the same thing so a lot of people don't understand what 
what they're consuming and where it comes from. And I mean, that's a whole rabbit hole in itself, but I'm on the boat that these elites, the lizard people, whatever, are using the same technology. I think magic is a technology of back then. They're using it today in a modern setting. Yeah, I like that. There's a, is it an Arthur C. Clarke quote where it's like, uh, anything any 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 sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic mm, i like that and okay. it's an old quote from a science fiction author i might be wrong about the origin of that quote we'll look it up but yeah we can look it up but uh but yeah i think um i think a lot of these these things are old technology too i think it's interesting like we started off talking about a little bit about the mud flood, all these different rabbit trails, right? That we, do you want me to leave your screen up by the way? <clears throat> no, I'm going to look up that, that quote. Cause I want to use that actually. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, somebody took that quote and made a really good point with it too. Right? Like, so any sufficiently advanced, let's say alien technology would then be indistinguishable from God. Right. If any sufficiently advanced technology, so yeah, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And that was Arthur C. Clarke. We invited several authors to explain what this quote. Yeah. So that, that was him and scientist, science writer, author of science fiction. But, but is it though, is it science fiction? I mean, at this point, right? Like so many of these things that we've read as science fiction, even Orwell's 1984, like based on some of the research that I've done, like I used to just idolize that book and think, how could he think so far ahead? But if you're connected to the, you know, to the elite, the establishment, whatever, and higher and higher, you would see this agenda from probably a mile away, right? Like even, even around that time at the end of World War II and going into the, the future of the, the West. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy time to be alive too, because I think you, I, I love, I love what you said. Don't take yourself too seriously. You can't even take, you know, yeah, you can't even take this information too seriously because there might be another layer that you peel mm -hmm. back and it just gets, it changes the whole scene. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, everything. And that's why I, I talk about the cinemagicians and that's, that's their, that's their role to not only strip away the ego because you mentioned earlier about being wrong it's okay to be wrong i'm wrong all the time and the biggest part about that about accepting defeat accepting failure i have a hard time because i am i'm a taurus so i'm sort of stubborn i hate being i hate disappointing people i hate you know what i'm saying like they i hate doing that type of stuff that's just the way i am and I think it's important to understand when you're wrong and hey, when somebody points on the, hey, touche, right? You got me. Like what's next? You learn from your mistakes, but some people just can't. And, and that's when you step into the realm of like polit uh, identity politics and people start to take all these ideas and, and they start to become these ideas. So yeah, that's why these, yep. these cinemagicians step in and they portray all these movies, which are essentially sigils in conjunction one right after another. And people start to live that reality. They start to manipulate that person's reality. And that's all somebody ever knows. Like if you look at a small child, they become a superhero. They are a superhero when they're kids because that's just the way that they think. And they're in their own. That's why I believe 
we create our own realities and we're in this bubble, this aura that we portray outwards. And that's, tr- that, that's what they do. Scientifically true. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and that's what they do with the media and all these stories. And, and you touched on a thing. What it, is it actually fiction? Well, I believe that a lot of these stories of antiquity, they're put out as fiction or as a story in order to occult the fact that it's an actual you know, based on true events, for example, the whole Frankenstein that's related to the topic that we're going to be talking about today, that story has some roots in reality. It's based off a guy. It's based off of, of Dipple, which is, is, is a, was an alchemist, lived at the Frankenstein castle, hmm. and Mary Shelley's husband was reading alchemical text, was a lover of the occult, so... Is it really a story about some guy who wanted to create a monster from different body parts? Or did you actually try it? Because there's always going to be that one Florida man who's going to actually take it for for real (laughs) and go, wonder what happens if I put my sperm into this pig or something like that? Hmm. Let me try it. Because, you know, you don't know people's intentions and how you're saying maybe there's that one layer. Because only the initiated are going to understand exactly what we're reading. Mm-hmm. The uninitiated are either going to take it for face value and understand it differently. So, but there's 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 a couple which ways we can talk about. Once we get there, we can discuss it because I have a few different ideas, and and we'll dive deep. So, yeah, stoked. I That's think awesome. I think a lot of these stories, quote unquote, <clears throat> do have some premise in. In reality and that's the tra- i call it the transmutation of fiction into reality i think it's also part of the of the magic if you will i think it's it's part of the agenda 100 100 man uh story is how we communicate it just is even a joke even a two-word joke is a story it has a rise a falling action and a climax and a conclusion right like it it's a self-contained thing and so that's how we as people talk. So people, so this has been known for a long, 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 long time. Um, and, uh, and indigenous, or if we could even go back before writing, it's a, it's all word of mouth story. So it's so embedded and ingrained in us, the idea of story. And I love, I love how you're using it. And I love that it's leading to these new creative mediums for you. I think it's going to be really, really cool to see what you're putting out, man. And I'm, I'm excited to get into this because I know little about it. There's a, there's maybe a few things that I've picked up here and there, uh, but I know very, very little about it. And we're going to be talking about homunculus today, uh, which is, I don't know, if you look it up on Wikipedia, it's just like a small person, right? Like it's just like a <laughs> tiny, <laughs> a tiny baby. But I know you've you've been researching into this, uh, quite some time. And, and, and yeah, I think, and to your point too, about reading these texts, it's kind of lifted a veil of creativity for me where I felt like, like a little bit more like, like an imposter or like, uh, someone who wasn't as talented as these great geniuses that could write these amazing stories. Well, fact is truly stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. And if you take that idea and then you just twist it a little bit, something that already is, then it's a great way to tell us to talk about a dog whistle for the people who know what you're talking about. You know, if you're going to write Frankenstein or some of these other books, uh, then it's very much way more, more, way more surface level than I 
or potentially it is, than I originally thought. I thought, wow, what an incredible imagination. So I'm of the opinion that monsters are real. That's why kids are scared of them, you know? <clears throat> well, I think that... So I've, I've thought about that before, where some artists or authors or writers, whatever, get their ideas from. And I can, I've come to the assumption on that some of these people are in touch, and it sounds crazy, but with outside influences. And we could talk about it off air because it kind of gets into some weird territory and some certain names that that if set online trigger certain things. So, <laughs> uh, but for the best example that I use is HP Lovecraft, a guy who claimed to not be into the occult yet was writing about heavy occult themes and everything in it was right. Ne the Necronomicon, which is a grimoire, which is something we're going to be talking about today. Cause that's what got me into this subject. But a guy, a nerd, pretty much a nerd, a racist nerd. Cause he was racist. And he was, no, I'm not in the occult, I don't practice the occult, but yet he was having dreams about certain entities visiting him and talking to him. So I think that's the aspect. That's why I named it the Occultist Monday, because it's a hidden world. I do believe that there is a reality built on top of our reality and ad infinitum. I think there are certain realities that are built on top of one another and they interact. And whenever I have a synchronicity or deja vu, I think of it as like an echo in space and time. And I always tell people, all right, I'm supposed to be here. I've done this before. So I must be doing something wrong. And I kind of worry sometimes when I don't have deja vu for a while, like, damn, maybe I took the wrong, the wrong, the wrong door that one day, right? Like Schrodinger's cat. Is it dead or is it alive? Well, it's both until you actually observe it. So there's all these endless possibilities right now. We're dead and alive at the same time because that's just the way that the, the reality and, uh, until it's observed. Right. Right. And I think that some of these writers, because how you're saying they come up with these great ideas. Wow. What, well, how do they come up with all these universes and all these things and that plot twist? What a great plot twist. What a great movie. That's amazing. Well, I think that, again, back to the whole outside entity, outside influence, because H.P. Lovecraft helped birth into reality these incorporeal entities that, according to the lore, if you follow the Cthulhu mythos, they exist outside the fabric of space and time. Well, what better way if they exist outside of them, they can't influence it directly, will influence a, a chess piece within that game, right, to birth you into existence. And I think that's the purpose that H.P. Lovecraft served. He was a vessel for these entities. And by writing them in these stories, right, stories back to the, the grammar becomes the grimoire or grimoire becomes the grammar because that's where the word comes from. It's a magical, it's a book on magical rituals and how to invoke certain entities. Well, there you, you got it. You've essentially manifested halfway. And if you look at the, the, the history of the ancients, the platonic solids, I believe that the purpose that they served was for manifestation purposes, where it's an incorporeal idea, right? Whenever you have an idea, oh, I just I just got an idea. Well, where'd it come from? I don't know. It just it just appeared. It just came to me, right? This crazy idea just came to me. Well, it's in the ether, right? It's up here somewhere. From there, it goes into your mind. From there, you portray it into a medium, so either writing or a comic book or whatever. And then 
these movies, these cinemagicians, they manifest those ideas into an actual thing. So either you have a model of it, right? That's another medium or a movie. So it's all about manifesting it as quickly as possible, <clears throat> skipping all those steps. And that's where the platonic solids come into because for some reason they were obsessed with turning their ideas into solids. So you have the Archimedean solids, the platonic solids. And I think that's what that served. So when it, in, in the application of magic, the magician is always trying to shortcut that they don't want to have to be in the ether go to my mind from there i write it down in a magical book from there i invoke the spirit and i see it you know manifesting from me no no no. they want to be able to speak it and boom right there if you think about what actors are that's essentially what they are and that writer's mind it started as in the ether went to their mind they wrote a script from there the actor is invoking that that entity that character into them and they become that character. They become a vessel for that character. That's why you have some interviews where the actors are like, yeah, I kind of just, it took over me. And I became whoever. Wow, you did such a, the, 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 the latest Dahmer. Wow, you, did, you played such a good Dahmer. Well, yeah, you know, I study these serial killers and they kind of just take over my body and I just kind of become them. It's like, what did, what'd you just say, bro? That you're openly, so you're, are you holding a seance? Are you meditating? Are you praying? What are you doing that these, you know, that this idea, this, this archetype, this, this energy takes over you and you're able to portray it efficiently? Because again, they make it look easy, right? But I said, well, what have we been talking about? They make it look easy. And I think that's also part of, of the alchemical process to where certain people are able to tap into certain things. I'm not saying everybody's doing it, but certain Lizard people in Hollywood, I think that's also another reason why they have such success because they're able to tap into this and maybe not knowingly, because that's another thing. Maybe not oh, knowingly, sure. Sure. maybe subconsciously. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like this, this is a very powerful thing. You said you, you brought up the homunculus. Well, the OG homunculus, the very first homunculus is the voodoo doll. Hmm. That's the main, that's one of the very first hmm. The voodoo doll, which is a simulacrum of a man. It is the symbol. It's the image of a man. And whatever, ha you know, we've been shown in Hollywood, whatever happens to that doll happens to the person in real life. So you see him stabbing them through the heart, right? The little pins. Yeah. You, you get a piece of their hair. Da, da. You've, see, you've seen all that. Yeah. So that's the original homunculus, the either mud clay metal an effigy so you wonder what the guys at the bohemian grove are doing they were burning an effigy again that was a sort of homunculus and the word means it's latin for little man and the one that we're going to be focused i'm going to cover most of them today because the reason again this topic is three degrees to four degrees of separation from any major topic. And that somebody ran an algorithm for that. Somebody ran the, the numbers for that. So I'm not pulling that out of my ass, but oh no, you don't have to pull that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's just for me. So the, the idea that I'm going to be covering a, a bunch of different ones, but the idea starts with the, the, the word homunculus. I'm going to be talking about different examples of the homunculus throughout history but the word homunculus let's keep this in mind this is very important doesn't come into existence until the 16th century with paracelsus so when i'm talking about the homunculus it's assumed 
that by the descriptions of it, that's what they're portraying. Okay. So when, when I'm talking about the Libra Vacay, which is a grimoire and they, they call it a rational animal, right? And a lot of people talk about alchemy and how it is for the creation of gold, right? From turning base metals into gold, becoming rich and all these things. I think that the, the original intention of alchemy was to create artificial life. And the reason I say that is because what's the point of making gold when you can make a magical little being that'll lead you to treasures? You understand what I'm saying? Like, what, why waste your time making gold? Just make that alchemical homunculus. That's also another version of the homunculus. That's going to lead you to the gold. That's going to lead you to the treasure. And, and it's going to tell you the future. It's going to shift the moon around. Fuck the gold. I want that. And if you think about the leprechaun, mm -hmm. the leprechaun? dude, that just popped into my head while you were fucking saying that. Yeah, it's a little it man. You, yeah, it takes <laughs> that leads you to what? Where's my pot of gold? Right. That's right. So, and this bro, this plays into cryptids. This plays into mythological beings. It plays a role into everything. When you start to think about it, bro, I've had people hit me up on Instagram, dog, and email me They're like, "Hey Juan, I have a question, bro." I go, hey, "What's up?" I think I might be a homunculus. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I write back, I go, bro, that's just, again, it's just a concept that normal people don't do. And like, no, my family's not normal. I'm a homunculus. I again, I don't know if they're trolling me or not. I had another guy <laughs> hit me up asking me how to take care of his homunculus because his homunculus was angry. So hopefully that guy got, got it sorted out because, again, I'm not here to, uh, you know, I call myself the homunculologist, but it's because, I'm at the forefront of this new field that, that is really emerging. And for some reason, bro, everybody loves the topic of the homunc. Everybody wants to talk about the homunc. It's like the craziest thing because how you're saying fact is stranger than fiction. And when you start to merge the two, well, you got the, it, again, because it, 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 the storytelling taps into the primal nature of right. our being, our ancestors sitting around the campfire telling these crazy stories it taps into that that's what that's what that's why all these podcasts that tell stories and even yours that people call in and tell their story that's why they're so popular because people want to hear a good story so when i'm breaking all this down people go, this is this is so crazy is it is it real i think anything is real as long as you put your mind to it <laughs> well there's that question is it real god how many <laughs> late nights but uh yeah, so I just want to back up just a second to just highlight something you said, uh, and then we'll get into this proper. Uh, but it's just it's so it's so succinct, and I think it's it's just a, a really powerful and potent idea that they're taking something from the mind and then materializing it, and that's what magic is. And within that, there are slower and faster processes in order to do that. Think about like so writing on a book. Now you've got to get. You've got to convince people to read that book, to spread that idea and get that to get more influence. Well, now we have digital media, right? Like me, all these other things that can spread an idea so freaking quickly, even faster. And so one of the big ideas for me, and I think a lot of people in this podcast, like just the idea of a thought form itself, you know, people call it pendulums or uh, exactly. egregores or whatever. Total. But when you create that, yeah. And, 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 but it's got to come from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't just come from nowhere. 
there's got to be something somewhere that originates these ideas. We're gonna right? we're gonna get into all that, Owen, because again, yeah. this is this is why <laughs> I love this topic so much, and it really piqued my interest. And I, I just want to introduce how I got into it because it taps into all that and more, bro. It's it's really fascinating. Cool. And the way I got into it was right. We were talking about Paranoid American earlier. Well, I have this show called The Occult Book Club, and we do just that. We research, read, look into obscure occulted texts, lesser-known books, et cetera, et cetera, and we read them, break them down, and talk about them on air. And we were doing Manly P. Hall's All-Seeing Eye, which is a journal that inspired my journal, and it's a journal he ran for almost, I think, 50 years. He started in the 20s before he even wrote The Secret Teachings of All Ages, and from 1923 to 1989, I believe, is when he ran it. And a very long time. I don't know how many years exactly, but Manly P. Hall wrote about homunculi. He wrote a, 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 a story in, the, in his journal. And it was about this Masonic Count Kufstein. And when I started reading it, I didn't know what, the, what I was doing. I was like, what is, what is this? A magical he created 10 homunculi one was a monk one was a was a was a a priest one was a saint like there was a whole bunch of like different descriptions of each and this is in the 18th century so it's fairly recent and you know some had a body some didn't and it's the story of how he created them and that one of them could had magical powers because show him the future and all this stuff he had him in his masonic lodge and i believe this, this is in germany and eventually the homunculi tried to escape and his his assistant kills one off right the the jars break they can't exist outside that the alchemical vessel and i was like wow this is a really fascinating story story so i google the name and i come across this thing called the book of the cow but it said plato's book of the cow the liber vacay and I started looking into that. It's a, it's a grimoire from the ninth century. John D had a copy of this. It was a it was a manuscript. It's not a book. There's over fifteen manuscripts. And the, the the craziest part about it is that this is a a text that was never published because because no, again my at this time if you were to write about the things that we're going to be talking about you'd be hung and burned at the stake. You'd be killed, right? It was heretical, blasphemous, whatever. So this Liber Vecchi, what these guys would do back then is they would do pseudonames, right? Like pen names on these magical things so to pass on the knowledge. But it was all handwritten. What really freaks me out about this one is that it's handwritten. Hmm. There was a bunch of copies at the St. Augustine uh, Canterbury, uh, right? A, ho a whole bunch of copies there, but they were all handwritten. So what that tells me is that whoever was actively copying it, there's one thing to read something. There's one thing to type something. But there's another thing to write freehand something. It does something else to the psyche. And that's why journaling is so powerful. Because your not only is your retention going up like 30%, but there's something al alchemically, I believe, going on in the brain when you're physically writing it, there's something more personable. There's something more intimate about it. And when writing about such a heretical topic, you know, the imagine the alchemist or the priest or whatever, there's a bunch of priests have this, this book too, this writing, 
they're actively looking at it. They're reading it. So they're, they're reading it twice, right? They're reading it on the other copy that they're copying it from. And they're copying in their little, so all of them were like small little pieces and they would keep, it was like a private little journal. So they would have it. And all these copies were all over the place. Again, John D had one. And a lot of these copies were mixed in with other legitimate texts. So it would be a text about human anatomy or medicine or something. And they would slip in a page or two of the Libra Vacay, this magical grimoire and how some scholars say it's used to summon an artificial demon. Uh, they would just slip in one or two little pages here in the back to occult it from their bookshelves. Hmm. So here you have these people this these prestigious people back then messing around and, and and possessing these sorts of books that had ideas on again how to do certain magical practices so the libra of ak i googled it and i came across this whole rabbit hole bro when i tell you rabbit hole whew. so during the middle ages <laughs> there is something there is something called right we had alchemy and you have Magia naturalis, which is natural magic. And natural physicians and magicians back then were the same. They were looked at as the same because a physician was, was only exposing what God had given to man in nature and exposing it for the benefit of man to heal them, to do whatever. So essentially what counts as Magia naturalis, natural magic, is you're using what's in nature and you're either speeding up the process of a, what already happened or slowing it down. Okay. Whatever is found in nature. And you have astral magic, which is using outside influences from the cosmos, uh, other entities, you know, go goetic magic and all these other forms of magic where you're using demonic entities or another entity outside to aid you in the creation of whatever process you want. That's where they drew, drew the line. So the, this is actually considered Christian natural magic because they were only using things that God put in nature and you were just mixing them together to get a certain thing. And hey, it was going to happen eventually if that would have fell into there and that one would have fell. It would have happened. So it's okay. God didn't put it here for no reason. So it's okay if I use it. And so... The physicians were exposing in nature what would already benefit men. And you, obviously you had alchemy, which is, again, that's a whole three-hour episode on its own. And those who were able to master nature were seen as having great powers, you know, changing the course of the moon. They were able to divinate. They were omnipresent. And these books, these grimoires, were manuals or instructions on how to conduct these magical practices. And the one, the Libra Veke, it's a pseudo-Galenic slash platonic grimoire. And it's about Galen talking about a work that Plato wrote, allegedly. We know it's not the actual Plato, but these magicians of back then, these sorcerers, they said, hey, in order to give it more prestige or more credibility, just to say that Plato wrote it. Because, you know, why not? One of the greatest minds of all time. Let's just put his name on it. We don't have to dirty our names up. Boom, send it. So you're not going to find this on Kindle or, or Audible because I've had people ask me that too. Like, hey, can I find a copy of this on, 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 I, I want a PDF, bro. I go, okay, I can send you the Latin translation of it. You can look at it all you want, <laughs> but you're not getting anything of it unless you know, unless you know Latin. So there's, 
Latin translations and the I believe the original was Arabic fragmented because mind you there's more than 15 copies of it some are more complete than others some change so it's not 100% hey this is the one copy this is that one book no it was an idea and a bunch of fragmented little pieces I know John D did have a full copy of course right John D because he had the biggest library in Europe at one point so this book combines Aristotelian biology, spontaneous generation, and this ritual. It's called Begonia, which we'll get into it. It's all Greek, and, and again, it was influenced by all these great ancient minds. Uh, well, I don't know about great, but at least ancient. And the book is broken up into a minor and major section, and it has roughly 80 experiments. And what really stood out to me out of all these experiments was methods to make armies giants and other forms appear in the sky and as soon as i i read that i thought about like elon musk's starlink of how they how how a lot of conspiracy theorists say that they're going to use that for for project Bluebeam. so is it real i mean some people think space <laughs> is fake and gay so i mean you have that crowd as well <laughs> right right but, <laughs> did i brought that up on a show the other day and the, the guy was like oh yeah da, da, da. and i'm like hey bro tommy truthful tv i'm like hey dude yeah space is fake and homosexual he goes okay i understand the fake part but <laughs> why is it homosexual i go dude i i i don't I can't tell you. It's, that's just what the streets are saying, bro. That it's it's not heterosexual. <laughs> it's homosexual. <laughs> so he was like flabbergasted. But hey, that's just what I've heard, bro. I'm just portraying the, the information forward. But this idea that they're going to use this technology, this this satellite in order to portray, right, the Messiah, the coming Messiah in the sky and everyone's going to see it. Well, is that really the the take or is it some sort of grimoire magic some sort of astral ma natural magic or something that they're going to be using in order to and i just i just finished doing mk ultra with with paranoid american such a good episode yeah and and there was a guy in that project that he he his whole thing was the occult like hey we're going to study the occult and, and the the effects this has on people so what i'm getting at with this whole thing is that the elites the government the the whatever anybody who's in the higher these higher levels the richest people in the world know about these books and it's like the movie the ninth gate with johnny depp where the, the right these higher ups they have access to these books that do what that again a movie right a movie and we have johnny depp apparently the cutting of the finger is also a ritual that they do the cutting hmm. off and reattaching because they reattach his finger that's also part of a magical practice. I, I went down some rabbit hole the other day. But this idea that they're able to use these books to invoke certain energies or entities. In that movie, I think it was the summoning of the devil himself because the devil wrote the book. Hey, they're putting it right out there for you. They know about these grimoires. They know about these books. They know that language has power. That's why it's spelling. Again, that's where the word grammar comes from, from grimoire, a magical book for a, a book on magic, you know, on, on recipes for magic. So again, 
Another one was it also shows you how to construct different kinds of magical houses wherein people will suffer seizures, start to tremble, hallucinate, or die. Hmm. A lot of people don't understand that architecture plays a very big role in magical practices. That's why Aleister Crowley was doing the the ritual of Abra Melon. He needed to have a house with a certain amount of windows on a certain amount of sides. That all plays a role into all these things. Houses are used as magical talismans to either uh, augment or uh, yeah, to augment magical abilities. That, that's a very big thing. And if you look at Vitruvius, which was a Pythagorean, he talked about how certain rooms could only be used for certain things because of the feng shui, the flow of energy. And I think that they're purposely messing with our feng shui in these houses that we're living in right now, bro. All these cookie cutter communities that have, that are just one shape, they're using that to invoke a certain type of energy in us. And that's why a lot of people are suffering depression. That's why a lot of people went through the whole pandemic depressed. A lot of people got divorced because all these things, because of the energy in their own homes that they were locked up in, they're prisons. They're prisons, but you don't think of it because, oh, my home, my house, right? Well, you're going to be locked up in there for X, Y, Z. And some people are still living that, bro. Some people are still in that mind state because their reality has already been warped. So I think it goes back to all, all this is related. The Libre Reiki is traced back to the ninth century. It goes by a bunch of different names. Reiki Platanus, Libra Anaguimus, Libra, a whole bunch of names, Allegus Platanus. You get the point. And... In order for me to illustrate the connection between the Libra Vake, because it's called the Book of the Cow, uh, I'm going to start off with the fourth experiment of one of the first four on one of the, on the major side, because the minor was like the exoteric, how to make lamps that don't turn off, how to grow your plants in an hour. What the author says, a lot of people should know about. Oh, everybody should know how to do these things. And then you have the major section, which is the more esoteric and occulted. This is the heavy duty stuff over here. This is where we make the homunculus, right? And you're able to shift the moon from its orbit and all these things. So the fourth experiment, it starts off by taking a cow and building a house with 14 small windows on the eastern side. Again, back to that architectural influence on magical practices. Hmm. Then you must seal all of them shut, behead the cow, drain all of its blood, and reattach the head back on. You will then sew the mouth, eyes, ears, nose, and anus, and vulva shut. And I know it's getting a little bit weird, but stick wow. with me because it's going to okay. get weirder. And similar to the ritual of Begonia, which Virgil wrote about it, and it's a ritual on how to generate bees by beating a baby cow to a pulp. Not breaking its skin, leaving it sit for 40 days, coming back, and there's going to be bees generated in in the carcass of that cow. And this plays a role in Aristotelian biology, putrefaction, alchemy, all that good stuff. And even in the Bible, where there was the carcass of a lion. When they came back, there was bees that were generated. I think it's the story of Samson. But you take this cow, and you're going to have to beat it. And I'm going to quote this, okay? This is a translation. Take a big dog's penis and incessantly beat the cow with it until the flesh is discolored and its bone is broken. So you need to find the biggest dog penis <laughs> you're able to find. And and I and and this when I read this because mind you we're still on the how I discovered this topic. I had to call Paranoid American up, and I called them up and I said, "Hey, dude, I came across some stuff. I don't know if you're gonna want to get into it." He was like, "What is it?" Cause we were doing a live that day. We were doing a live episode on my YouTube channel that day. 
I go, hey, dude, I came across this homunculi article on the Manly P. Hall, and I came across this ritual where you got to beat things with dog dicks. And as soon as I said the dog dick, he's like, whoa, yeah, bro. Because Paranormal American is like down for whatever type of thing. He's like, bro, it's not gay. If it's for a magical practice, I go, dude, it's gay either way. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's that kind of friend. So, so I start talking about this, and I go, okay, but the biggest dog dick. How do you even go about finding the biggest dog dick? How do you even be, how do you know you have the biggest one? What if you're beating this cow and all of a sudden you see another dog walk by and he's got a bigger dick than the original one that you have? So that really just blew my mind away. And I linked this to as of recently, a few months ago, because I think magical, another thing is magical rituals, magical practices are meant to be changed, adapted to the practitioner's needs. Mm hmm. And you have the evolution. I'm going to use this example from Crowley to Parsons, from Parsons to L. Ron Hubbard, if you want to count them in there, L. Ron Hubbard to Margie Cameron to Epstein, because we do make those connections. I do make those connections. And as of recently, the biggest shipment of donkey dicks, donkey penises, I'm sorry, was just seized by, I believe it was the Nigerian or Chinese government. That's a particular thing to be smuggling a bunch of donkey penises. And, and when you start to dive down that rabbit hole, well, apparently there is a whole market for exotic animal penises out there. Okay. It makes you think of what Dahmer was doing. Dahmer was doing what? Collecting body parts. Mm -hmm. And he was also keeping what? The penis of these men that he was killing. He was, he was breaking the taboos of the taboos. Right. There's no there's no other taboo that you can break. He was, I believe, he was some sort of necromancer. He was doing some things with these bodies. And that's why he was, I think that he, he was he was gonna build an altar. He was building an altar, bro. I'm saying like that that was the occult, but again, the darkest depths of the occult, because it's just like the force. You can either use it for good or you can use it for evil. You know what I mean? And these guys choose to take it to those depths of depravity, the of of when you regress it that back where it's like, hey, um, they believe that they achieve divinity by even no matter what they do. So that's right. their ideology. So when you start to align all these things together, go, okay, so there's a whole market for exotic animal penises. All right, whatever. Has nothing to do with a ninth century grimoire, right? That's just me making assumptions that aren't there. So after you, after you beat this carcass, the biggest dog, and I have cows and they're like dogs, bro. They're adorable. So yeah. I don't know how you could even go about doing this. But after this step, you split the cow skin after seven days and remove the marrow-like substance, which you must then take and grind with an unknown herb. And this is where it gets into the, hey, can I recreate this? Well, if you're able to find out what that unknown herb is, you take that mixture, you put it in the corner of the house where it eventually become worms. Every day thereafter, you need to open a window, throw a handful of powdered bees at the worms until you have living bees. And if you do this in reverse, bro, guess what? You get a cow from dead bees. <laughs> so that's the fourth experiment of the first four. And when I read that, obviously, I didn't know what to think because it's really bizarre sure and i believe 
Now hear me out because we're going to get into the whole, is it metaphorical? Is it literal? Well, I think it's literal because the Liber Vacay isn't particularly an alchemical text. It's not a text about finding the Philosopher's Stone or anything of that nature. And again, the one that, this is before Paracelsus, which made the alchemical homunculus popular. So we're talking about things before the alchemical homunculus came to being. So I think this is an actual thing. Now, people have asked me, well, is the homunculus like a cryptid? Is he happy to be here? Is he sad to be here? It does the bidding of its creator. It's going to do whatever its creator wants. I don't know if it's happy or not. I do think that there is a met, and I'll get to the metaphorical part of it and the physical. I do believe that there was a literal homunculus at some point. And I do think that there is a metaphysical, uh, uh, a symbolic homunculus, because that's also another thing. So now we get to the homunculus recipe, which is called a rational animal. And it starts off by saying, whoever wishes to make a rational animal should take his own water while warm. So take your own sperm and let him mix it with equal measure of stone that is called stone of the sun. This stone, this is a stone that shines at night like a lamp until the place in which it is found is illuminated. I am, I am associating that with a meteorite. Okay? okay. That's just my personal assessment because there are stories of Edward Kelly having this red powder projection which Edward Kelly was also one of the very few alchemists. He was actually the greatest alchemist, one of the greatest alchemists. And he's given this bad rep, right? Because he took advantage of John D. Well, if you actually look into the, and I've been meaning to put out this episode. If you look into the history of John D and Edward Kelly, it was actually the other way around. The one that was psychologically abusing Edward Kelly was John D. He would gaslight him. And he was the one that was driving Edward Kelly to insanity by doing seances up to 10 hours a day, every day for extended periods of times. And so this red powder of projection, he used it in order to transmute base metals into gold. And he was one of the only alchemists that was able to do it in front of other people. That was the whole thing. You know, have, you have Nicholas Fumel, you have all these other alchemists of antiquity who they say they achieved the magnum opus, but they never did it in front of anybody. It was always occulted. And Edward Kelly was one of the, one of the main ones. That's why he was in prison in Prague by Rudolph the second, because he saw that he transmuted it. But when he ran out of the powder, which I believe was crushed up meteorite, he was never able to do it again. And that's why they weren't able to do it again. These alchemists of antiquity, because the stone at Mecca, which is said to be a meteorite, it was stolen at one point. And when they returned, it was, I believe, 60% smaller than it was originally. So mm -hmm. what the story goes is that they chopped off a chunk. They powderized it and they distributed that around the time, right? Around Europe, wherever. And Kelly was able to get a, a hold of it, a hold of some. And until, when he ran out of it, that's it. That's why they weren't able to recreate the transmutation. So that's what I think in the place in which it is found is illuminated. So you think of a glowing meteorite. After this, you must take a cow or a ewe. Its vulva is cleansed with medicines and its womb made capable of receiving what is put in it. If a cow is used, the blood of the ewe is put on its vulva and vice versa. The orifice is then plugged with the stone of the sun. After this, the animal is put in a dark house. And every week it is given a pound of the other animal's blood to eat. One must then take some sunstone, as much sulfur, as much magnet, as much green tudia, 
He should grind them, mix them with willow sap, and dry in the shadows. When the cow or sheep gives birth, one must take, here's where it comes, take that form and put that in that powder that you just finished making, for it will once be clothed in human skin. So <laughs> this cow or you, sheep, whatever, gives birth to this gelatinous thing. And in some in some verse in some versions they say you need to shape it into the into a version of the man right like uh, two arms two legs a head and then you put this powder on it and it grows skin well this one just said you just put it as soon as it comes out and it will once be clothed in human skin then it should be put into a great glass or lead vessel after three days it will become hungry and it will start to move around so you have the the traditional homunculus in the bottle right the little baby in a bottle there it is. Therefore, feed it from the blood that has gone forth from the mother for seven days. So you have the three days, which is symbolic. Then you have the seven days, which is also symbolic, the number seven. Then the animal form that is agreeable to many miracles will be finished. This being can be used to change the course of the moon and change oneself into a cow or sheep. And if... You take this form and feed it and nourish it for 40 days. There's another symbolic number. And feed it with the blood and milk, nothing else. And the sun does not see it. You may then vivisect it and use its fluids to anoint your feet. Whereon you can walk over water. Finally, if a man has raised it and nourished it until a whole year passes and left it in milk and rainwater, we'll tell him all things that are absent. Now, I have this argument with Paranoid American where he believes this to be a a recipe for mushrooms. But then I go, okay, I can see if you take enough mushrooms where you become Bigfoot, right? You can start seeing things, but then they take it so literally where you will walk on water. You can change the course of the moon. And then it gets kind of different because the next two experiments are essentially the same, except the matrix, the womb is provided by a female monkey in one. And the third, the woman, an unidentified animal. So an anointment is that it is made from the homunculus birth from the monkey. Uh, an, an ointment made from the eyes and brain uh, made from the homunculus that's birthed from the monkey allows you to see spirits and demons and drinking a brew made from its tongue allows you to talk to these entities. And this is the only part in this that is about demonic or spiritual or metaphysical entities that that's the only section and there's a scholar that said well here this is proof that this is creating an artificial demon you can make that argument but again this is the only section using its liver makes trees bend over using its brain and the brain of a fresh human corpse on a dead tree can make it flourish instantly using the guts of the homunculus birth by the unidentified animal can make you impervious to pain Using its heart wrapped in the skin of its forehead makes you invisible. And burning powder made from its body can make it rain. And finally, if you bury this powder in the ground for 14 days, the powder will give birth to extremely poisonous snakes. So very, very weird. I, it could be symbolic. That's also a thing. But how specific, right, to, in order for it to be symbolic. Very symbolic. When you read an alchemical text, it's, you know, the, uh, the green line ate the sun and the sun dissolved back into itself and threw itself back up, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's got a different, a different feel to it when, when 
when you're reading an alchemical text. So another True. set of experiments allows you to generate hybrid animals. So I think that they were trying to account for these mythological beings, the centaur, yeah. the minotaur, all these things. Uh, there is one with a, a cow with the face of a human, viper-like worms with horns and enormous eyes, bee-like worms, and a final animal that if you use its fat as an ointment, you can permanently transform a person into a pig or an ape. As the experiment progresses, it is a mixture of just more and more animal and human substances and mixtures of various matrices. And ultimately, these experiments are for the purpose of the magician to gain godlike power. So we have this idea again. I use the leprechaun because I do consider it another sort of homunculus that leads the person right? you chase it to the pot of gold for riches. And I think that's symbolic of alchemy. If you look at the the story of creation for the Anunnaki, what what did they create the Homo sapien for? To, to mine, mine gold. Or yeah. gold. Yeah. So you have that connection again. Humans, Homo sapiens are homunculus because they take the sperm and a matrix that is not, you know, the Anunnaki woman, right? These giants. And they create men to mine for gold in the story of Genesis. What are they doing? They're tilling the ground for Yahweh, for God, for El, for Buddha, for Vishnu, whoever you want to call him, to, 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 to till the ground, right, for this God. And obviously they disobey God. The woman eats of the, of the forbidden fruit and they're aborted from the Garden of Eden. They are exiled from it. And that's that's what I relate all this to. You have Prometheus shaping man out of mud. Again, that's also another sort of homunculus. And there is nowadays there's technology to, to clone or edit DNA. We know this. And I didn't know, bro, until I started researching this, but the first human clone was created in November of 1998 mm. by a company. And they say that the embryo was destroyed after 12 days. So they claim. But the two, the chimera was half man, half cow. Okay. The word, the, the stuff that they made people get, right, two years ago, three years ago now, comes from the word vacay, which is, again, the cow. Makes you think. Makes you think of the golden cow in the Bible. Yeah. Makes you think, well, why certain cultures don't eat cow and they worship them instead mm -hmm. very interesting that when you start to look at and and connect all these dots of why this is something like that but uh, again i'm just a just a researcher no dude <laughs> yeah no I, that's what's so interesting about this there's a lot of ways to i, I like the distinction you know early part it's, you're saying basically there's Kind of two different practitioners, people going, I don't know, you might even equate this to the left hand or right hand path or whatever. But, you know, like natural magicians or natural physicians who use what's available and God's, you know, uh, earth or what have you. And then you've got this whole other the do as thou wilt group who's just like, hey, let's blast off some everywhere. dog dicks and smack around. Yeah. I mean, and imagine the trial and error, you know, you bury the guy for 13 days or 16 days and it Die turns oh, into a fuck. fucking... I need to be one more day. He's, he's, right. 
He's too overdone. He's well done now. He needed to be medium well. <laughs> we needed a Sasquatch and we got a Yeti. We're yeah, fucked, exactly. man. This is not yeah. going to work. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just the specificity of all of that. And, you know, I'll, I'll challenge a listener here to just think about this. Okay. Like, so ninth century problems you can find in the biggest dog dick. It's wild. We've been on this earth for a long fucking time. Just because we have the internet doesn't make us any more advanced than any other civilization that's ever been here before. Mm -hmm. The things that we think are ridiculous. And I mean, of course you read that. And at first you're like, this has got to be a troll, you know, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> cause it sounds so absurd, but uh, we've been here and like movies like the Island of Dr. Moreau, like that comes to my mind now, you know, where that's just some crazy fucking weird scientist off on an island, you know, and that's an old story. And he's taking animals and people and smooshing them together. It's in a ton of movies. Or the fly, where he mixes his DNA with the bro. fly, right? Like it makes you think, bro. Science fiction, I do believe, is another way that another mechanism mechanism that occultists use to shroud their right the the what is it when they put it out there? I'm drawing a blank. The method of re uh, the revelation of method where they put it out there, right? It's part of the observer effect because the observer charges right. this talisman uh -huh. of a movie, of a sigil, of whatever it is. You're subconsciously giving your energy to it. So these movies that they put out, you know, it makes you question the Avatar movie. Like, what are they hinting at? They're putting their consciousness into these avatars, these blue. If you look at the symbolism of the blue the tree of life, we're all interconnected, et cetera, et cetera. It makes you think, I and mean, it really starts to, and that's why a lot of people tell me, what can I read to learn all these things? And I go, well, just start off with the secret teachings of all ages. Cause Manly P. Hall really has inspired me and has shown me a lot of things in my awakening i hate using that word but my awakening it's, it is what it is it's fine and I, I, i'm with you <laughs> and i tell people i go if you don't enjoy that then you're not going to enjoy the rest of it because anything under that is just esotericism back to the specifics like there's magic there's the left hand right hand and then you go like well these dudes like to blast their seat everywhere these other dudes like to keep it in and like to use the magical power of keeping it in and the chi and all this stuff and then, you know, you have the goetic magic, which, well, Corley said it was our subconscious doing all this stuff. Well, some other people say it's oh, the key of the lesser key of Solomon. Like there's, you know, it's just specific. It's the same thing, just more specific. And that's why I tell people start with the tip. If you don't like the tip, that's you're not going to like the rest of it, bro. But either way, back to the whole making this. This is an art, right? Researching is an art. And my favorite, I was always that kid in high school, bro, where. I'd remember all the dates in history. I, you know, social study was my favorite. American history was my favorite subject. Even obviously looking back now, it's indoctrination. But I was always, I always had that photographic memory of learning names and dates. And once you start building that up and you start to build a mind palace and, and you understand how to work around that and you start to connect the dots. So I can give you all the books I've read. Now, if you're going to make all the connections, probably not because it's just, Again, hours and hours of research, like at the beginning of that MK Ultra episode where her and an American brought out a stack of books. And he's like, oh, I read this one, read this one, read this one. He's like, I haven't shown you all the other ones I read in order for this one episode. Right. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. That it's like, hey, we're putting in work. We're putting in the legwork. 
Right. Even if it's an obscure topic like this, you know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people take offense for some of the stuff that I've been said. I don't give a shit. I'm just yeah. here to talk about it because it's history, regardless of the fact it's history. Just because you don't care about it doesn't mean the next person won't. You know what I mean? Dude, absolutely. And I think that's a big part of, at least for some of us, like our purpose. Like I'm a big fan of uh, Dan Coe. He, he does like the, this idea of the one person business model. We've all kind of done that subconsciously without ever hearing that as a thing, but it's where you basically take whatever it is that you're curious or interested about. And then you fucking go deep on all of it, synthesize it all, and then present it to people and shortcut them and help them understand these connections. And that's what we've all been doing. And we've been, you know, freely just giving out all this information, which is awesome. Cause again, it's directly connected to our own curiosity, you know, so I encourage people to, to think for themselves and go where the research takes them just as you've done. Cause you can find these things and no one, I've never heard anybody else talking about this, you know, like <laughs> it's those, it's those strange, bizarre, unique things. Some people don't bro. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. And, and yeah, somebody else might read those same books and then their research would lead them to some other idea out of there. Right. Mm -hmm. They may, and they may find some really good connections and ideas. Um, but that's really, you know, what we're trying to do is just share and, 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 and sort of, help to paint the tapestry that is reality. Like how about some context? Because like mm -hmm. you said, historically, we know in school, we certainly have been indoctrinated into this idea of history and only one story, not, not from different angles, right? His story written by the winner. Of course, it's like the John D thing, you know, it's, which reminds me of the Tesla, you know, uh, Edison thing. Right. It's like, yeah, I'm going to steal all your shit, make you seem like an asshole and I'm yeah. going to take all the glory exactly. because I have the power and I'm going to do that. So it's wild where this stuff goes. And yeah, I guess this whole tangent just was, you know, we've been on this earth for a long, long, long time. People have been fucking with shit for a long time. You go look at the Egyptian hieroglyphs and they are, you know, disemboweling dead bodies and doing things like that. And, um, you know, so there's, as, as absurd and ridiculous as some of this stuff sounds, sometimes the more literal shit is, the more you like the obvious is unseen. You know, that is such a good um, mm -hmm. thing to keep in mind. Whereas like I learned that when I was younger, somebody said that to me, we were like in a parking lot smoking weed or whatever. <laughs> Just like the obvious is unseen. And, and it always stuck with me because sometimes when I go back through these things and just look at it very literally, I'm just like, Oh, well that's, incredibly overt and in your face like that's mm -hmm. and i think we're naturally magical beings that we manifest you know if you take the whole like anunnaki story there's like inky and whatever they Hello, yeah. and they are fighting about you know how much magical powers to give the human being and they gave us too much or whatever well it doesn't matter if you gave us too much if you hide the instruction booklet right like then we don't know how to access it but i think we are innately just uh intuitively like magical beings right like we have uh, these that's why people are are so drawn to topics like this because when you start talking about unlocking abilities or using things as talismans to invoke certain energy they they perk up and they go oh well, i want to i want to learn right it's like the these youtube videos are like learn how to get rich in five steps it's right like, well you think that if if you were truly rich you'd be on youtube teaching other people how to do it probably not like the gimmick is they get you to click that video so they make money off that video and then when you listen to it, it's like the most generic shit like put in work it's like when they ask kim kardashian it's like what do you have to tell all the women that 
was it want to be their own boss or something it's like get up and work bitch like bro what are you saying like you literally became rich through what i believe is sex magic like a freaking sex video you know what i'm yep. saying she stole so, paris hilton's uh model right and exactly. just replicated it yeah absolutely man 100 like and a lot of the folks, and I didn't even know this when I started making videos and shit on YouTube, I was just trying to help people share information. But like all this shit is like thought of and strategized. It's like the three ways to do this or whatever. And then we get a dopamine hit from watching it as mm -hmm. if we did the thing yeah. and we didn't get out and work, bitch, you know? <laughs> so you know, like that is, that is a, a very wise thing. But I mean, you know, uh, of course, to get out there and, and do the thing. But like, that's part of that trap is like you just get sucked into this. And conspiracy can be this way, too. You know, I've been sucked into the sort of pendulum or the, I, you know, the the even the victim mindset. Oh, no, you know, woe is me. You know, you mm -hmm. can kind of get stuck in that loop. You know, I think when you're taking initiative and doing your own research, now you're following your curiosity curiosity leads to, to, to information that, passion purpose that magical system yeah. that is pure magic time. right and that is part i think of self-actualization when you're going out there and you're finding the information that you're truly curious about is genuine well now you're you know acting on your authentic impulses mm. and then you're finding the information you know bringing that back and telling it in a story and then now here we are you know fulfilling that role right which is dope well, what have I told you that the decisions that you're making is because you have a homunculus in your brain. There's a little man right now inside your brain that's looking at what you're watching. And another another I'm going to go through some of the definitions of homunculus. So according to Daddy Paracelsus, which is the one that is like the pinnacle, this is the guy that, that brought the homunculus into the mainstream in the 16th century. The homunculus is, quote, an image or figure of a small man with every mm -hmm. limb and shape like a man. It is based on the idea that the external shape and form of an object reveals its internal properties and powers. Thus, the homunculus, as an image of man, possesses all abilities and powers of man. I was saying these hidden powers for a hidden human nature is concealed in a spiritual way. Very, very eloquent and very beautifully put. It is thus possible for this image to perform all operations of man completely. Well, back to Vitruvius and the Vitruvian man, right? That that everybody knows and loves. There's a reason why they designed all these cathedrals and buildings of antiquity after the shape of man. And I believe it's linked back to this where they believed it invoked certain powers in these buildings that, that were used as talismans back then the architect was magician i have an episode coming out next week on the architect as magician and i interview a a professor a doctor that wrote a book about it where again the stylus of an architect is the wand right and and there are certain energies that an architect puts into their work to invoke certain energies and i think that they were trying to emulate the perfect form the man and i'm not saying that as a sexist but again the shape of a human, right? Not a man, whatever. Sure. You get the point. Right. But uh, that's Paracelsus, essentially a simulacra of a man or person made of earth, wax, or metal. So back to the voodoo doll, a doll or effigy. I'm sure everyone has seen the voodoo doll, which is what I mentioned at the beginning. An artificial, another definition, an artificial human created by magic. A homunculus does the bidding of its creator. You have the golem, you have the Frankenstein's monster, and you have AI which is, again, another form of 
among us because again this idea evolves it not it's just it's not just tied to um, a small little man there's also a femunculus which is a small woman hmm. so you have these ideas in psychology we have something called what i mentioned the homunculus argument and it's comes from a theory called cartesian theater because back then they were trying to find out like hey how are we seeing what we're seeing? How are we interpreting what we're seeing right now? Well, oh, perfect. There's a small version of you inside of your head that's watching you through your ears of screen and they're watching everything that you're seeing. Well, wait a minute. Who's inside that small person's head? Oh, another homunculus. Oh, fuck. But then who's inside of that one? <laughs> well, it's homunculus all the way down ad infinitum so instead of turtles all the way down no it's homunculus all the way down there's a nebula named the homunculus nebula and there's another homunculus inside of that homunculus and i have a theory oh and i you know i think that the community is so divided between flat earth globe earth you know spiritual realm whatever i have a theory bro i think it is asshole earth because there's the phallus nebula that fucks the asshole earth and they birth new nebulas and worlds into existence that's my theory so everybody's while everybody's arguing about flat earth and all this stuff you gotta look you gotta look above you know the toroid field what does that look like exactly look into that that's a rabbit hole so in neuroanatomy you have the cortical homunculus the cortex man which is uh, i'm sure you've seen it where it's the if you Google homunculus, the first thing that's going to come up, it's like this model with like big lips and big hands. And it, it's a neurological map of the brain and the and what it controls in the body. And there's a movie called Homunculus on Netflix, right? Of course, Netflix. It came out last year. There you go. That's the cortex man. And it's a neurological map. And Netflix came out with a movie. I think it was this year. I'm pretty sure it's 2022 called homunculus. And this was before I was researching the homunculus that I'm sorry. I came after I was started researching the homunculus and the movie is about this man who it's based off a manga where they drill a hole in his head here, Mm -hmm. right? The third eye shock or whatever. And he's able to see homunculi, but homunculi are actually, like demons that attach themselves to people and they affect them in a certain type of when he's able to see these traumas that are bothering people and attach them and he's able to essentially extract them from them but there's a plot twist they attach themselves to him and the movie's kind of dark because there is some there's like rape and stuff in it so if if you're i'm not cool with rapists if you're a rapist fuck you but yeah uh, you know there's Wood that chipper. type of st- yeah so again i'm just just pointing that out for those that yeah. want to see it because it, it actually is a good movie aside from that part i watched um, the uh trailer this morning uh, yeah but it's, yeah it's like a korean movie or yes something yes like, it, it's really interesting and then we have the alchemical homunculus which is the 16th century that revolves around right the philosophical art of alchemy uh, a magical process of transformation creation or, or of creation and combination and the alchemical homunculus is this small little artificially created person that was rumored to be created by these alchemists of antiquity and all of this comes from bro the, the these ideas yeah that's the 
traditional alchemical homunculus. You have the little the little baby in a vessel. Test tube baby. Test. Well, you said it, not me, but test tube baby, pretty much. That's another iteration of. I've had people hit me up. Hey, I'm a I'm a homunculus because I was born in a test tube. So these ideas come from Aristotelian biology. So Aristotle, and Aristotle was inspired by Pythagoras. Pythagoras is actually the one that came up with eugenics. And that's why in Plato's Republic, there's this idea of selective breeding between different people because Plato was taking his inspiration from Pythagoras. And what I what I mean to say by all that is that these minds of antiquity are, are affecting or have affected our modern day, right? These minds of the year 200, 300, whatever, from hundreds of years ago, we're still using their ideas today. So how you're saying, just because we got computer screens and... All this other stuff doesn't make us any much more advanced. I think that if anything, we've regressed because we Absolutely. literally have more information. Like as time as as these seconds are counting right now, we have more information than you ever have ever had at, at literally at the disposal of your fingertips right now than history has ever had. But imagine all the things that we've lost, bro, and the burning of the of Alexandria. Oh my god! And all these the, the destruction, the elaborate destruction of ancient civilizations and their texts and all these things that because of his story because they're trying to paint a certain picture all the things that we've lost because of that because of, of people who've destroyed relics and what was the first thing that hitler did he started destroying galleries and shutting down art schools and things of that nature because again they understood that art has a certain effect on the psyche it speaks to the soul and Back then, reproduction was viewed from two different angles, spontaneous generation and sexual generation. And spontaneous, you get A plus B equals C. You allow them, you allow them to putrefy. The putrefaction is gonna is a big role in all this because I mentioned earlier, you let it sit for 40 days. Back then, they saw a rotting piece of meat that they had left on the ground. It's pure observation. They came back, you know, a couple of days later, boom, you had larvae. You had maggots. And then from that, well, you had flies. Okay. Well, when the chicken lays on the egg, she's simply warming it up so that it putrefies. And from that putrefaction, you get a baby chick. That's the way that they were thinking back then, bro. They they also believed in preformationism, which is any big thing in nature exist in a small version of itself so before microscopes they believed that a sperm was actually a little man inside of the sperm like this look up preformationism and you'll see the the illustration of the the man in the sperm this is what they believed back then and aristotle thought that his theory of sexual generation was that every material substrate must contain matter and form. The two forms are sperm and menstrual blood. So there you go. That's preformationism, where they thought that the one where he's crouched down, where he's got his knees to his chest. There's to his one. chest, excuse me. How, is that is that it? No, the one next to it. The other one. Oh, this there one. you go. That one. Yeah, that's that's preformationism. And they believe that that was a small little man inside the sperm. And at coitus, there was a battle between the menstrual blood and the sperm. And if the sperm won, you'd have a boy. And if the menstrual blood won, you'd have a girl. 
Interesting. <laughs> that's that's what they thought. Okay, these guys were again a products of their time, and Aristotle states because they were misogynists too. And I don't know why, because women are beautiful, bro. Like I don't, I, I don't, you know, you can't live with them, you can't live without them, but they're beautiful nonetheless. So these guys were like, no, I can beat myself off. I can do that all myself. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't need women. Women are just incubators. That's that's their words, not mine. The original, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Aristotle states females are weaker and colder in their nature than males, and we should look upon the female state as being, as it were, a deformity because of the absence of the sexual appendage. This further proved that women lacked perfection. So they thought because women didn't have penises that they were that they lacked perfection, right? Which, well, if he could be alive today, yeah, he could be alive today, brother. And and, and if anything, tune, you know? my second head has gotten me in more trouble than I can count. So I think that that is not a good argument. I think yeah, anything, it's, it's 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 more of a liability, frankly. A hundred percent, bro. A hundred percent. I think men are sometimes pigs, and they can't control themselves. And I say that because I'm a man. So Aristotle, although you've mentioned all these things. Did not believe that human beings could be born without both parents. But there's always that Florida man mm. that said, hmm, well, Daddy Aristotle said all these things. Well, let's just let's cut women out of the, the picture and let's just jerk off into test tubes and see what happens. So but it was because Aristotle gave sperm this like supernatural power. Wow. You know, the giants of back then jizzed on everything, and that's how you get these mountains and these mythological, the titans and all these things, right? So his followers were like, okay, let's let's take this with open hands. And I want to go back to the second century before Common Era up to the eighth century. There's something called Taoism or Taoism. It's internal alchemy. The Chinese practiced it. And... There's this idea. I don't know if you ever read The Secret of the Golden Flower. I don't know that book. I'm familiar with Taoism for sure. So um, look up the the secret. I mean, not now, but if, if whenever you have time, it's a, it's a short read. Secret of the Golden Flower. And it talks about in this book, it talks about this immortal spirit body of gold formed inside of your solar plex. And the, the way that you're able to make this happen because back again to the semen retention or the expelling of your semen you have these two different practices as well a lot of the uh, a lot of these monks right they practice celibacy well it's for a reason it's because they believe that by you keeping your your semen inside of yourself you're able to manifest things better yeah it's charging energy it's your it's, chi exactly but that re that reasoning came from the preformationist where if if I'm a divine being me man and my sperm is full of other divine beings, right? Little versions of myself. And inside of them, there's other little versions of themselves. Well, I'm like the seventh son of the seventh son. Let me just keep it inside mm. and use that energy to manifest things magically in this, in this realm. So they come up with the idea of there's an outward flowing energy constantly from us. And by you meditating and doing breathe, uh, breathing and breath work after a hundred days or so, once you're able to reverse the light in on itself, right? So reverse that energy flow by meditation. Eventually, inside of your body, 
this fluid, your sperm, everything else is going to crystallize into a golden body. And it's going to become alive. It's going to become and it's going to detach itself and it's going to be its own entity, its own living entity. And the purpose of this little golden man is to allow you to escape samsara for you not to reincarnate again. So it's this little golden being that's going to exist once you're dead. It's going to exist in the ether, whatever it's literal or not, I don't know. It's going to exist and it's going to allow you to escape the Ouroboros and reincarnation so you don't have to come back again. And this is what these guys were, were all about. They were about, I'm trying to find the, the, the verse. I can't find it. But anyways, you get the point. They would reverse the energy and they would use it to escape reincarnation. And that, that was their way out of the matrix. If right. You will. Sure. Yeah. I can totally 100% see that. I think that's a lot of the Eastern teachings, you know, to sum up, right? Like if you wanted to, that we are constantly reincarnating and the only way to, you know, escape samsara <clears throat> uh, is to, find that that i guess creative power self-actualize i don't know there's a bajillion yeah in, reach enlightenment whatever uh there's a, so many different terms for it um, and, and this is this is where the 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 homunculus starts to evolve you know that's what so what I, that's why i wanted to put it out because that you know internal alchemy it's dated back to second bce eight bc so two thousand years ago the the stuff that I just finished reading about Aristotle, well, it's from Aristotle's time up until the 18th century. Well, this came before that. So this concept of a little person, little man, little creature has been around for a long time. And they just took that. And again, they try to androgenize it because people are going to relate to what they see, what they perceive. So what better way than to put a human face on it? Well, let's make it instead of this golden being let's make it a little man in order to relate to it right it's like again it, it goes back there's an evolution and we're going to see that interesting and i want to talk about zozimos of panopolis real quick the first mention of a homunculus right the first mention in an alchemical text was from zozimos from the third and beginning of the fourth century a.d and he wrote the oldest literature known on alchemy and he is essentially it's called on virtue or visions of zozimos and you can look it up and he is pretty much having a dream it's almost like dante's inferno type thing where he's going through this hellscape and eventually he encounters this i believe he was a priest in a vessel and these descriptions are metals going through a transformation but he starts off by saying and as he was saying these things and I was pressing him to talk, his eyes became like blood and he vomited forth his flesh. And I saw him change into a, a mutilated anthroparion, which is another word for homunculus, biting himself and wounding himself with his own teeth. Seized with fear, I thought, is it not thus that the composition of the waters is produced? And I was convinced that I had understood well. Again, very cryptic these guys are writing in symbols because they did not want to be killed or burned at the stake mm -hmm. so this anthroparion is what some scholars have termed a pseudo homunculus for zozimos he was a follower of hermes trismegistus 
He was uh, alchemy was much more of an of of an art. It was a philosophical and religious experience, and right, the Gnostics believe that we're in this prison body with this flesh suit, and by following the practice of alchemy, you're able to distill and purify matter from its dark attributes. So they hoped, right, these alchemists of antiquity, that to remove the impurity of matter, the goal was to resurrect the material world through alchemy. So that's what they that's what the followers of Zosimos and Alchemy at the time believed. And one of the people that that I quoted here, Fulcanelli, which is mm. a more modern alchemist, right? This very very well known, notable yeah. for sure. The the cross dressing alchemist as I like <laughs> to call him. <laughs> they cuz that's also another part of the of the alchemical magnum opus, you become this androgynous being. You exist outside the space and time and you become just an ascended master is what I believe, right? You have this immortal alchemist, which I've talked about. So the secret, and this is Fulcanelli, the secret of alchemy is this. There is a way of manipulating matter and energy as to produce what modern scientists called a field of force. The field acts on the observer and puts him in a privileged position vis-a-vis -vis the universe. From this position, he has access to realities which are ordinarily hidden from us by time and space, matter and energy. This is what we call the great work. So Falconelli is talking about, you know, again, because there's a practical side of alchemy and there's a spiritual. Well, by doing the practical, you're able to unlock pretty much a portal of some sort to step outside the boundaries of reality and be able to affect reality on a much deeper level. And I think that's what these occulted circles are trying to take away from the modern, from the, from the, from the regular layman person, right? That's why it's secret societies and all these things is they don't want you to learn about these things. They don't want you to see in the book of Enoch that after the angels told Enoch all the secrets, he became Metatron, bro. He fucking became this holder of reality and was able to change its course and all this not a god i don't know he became an overseer if you will this 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 guy was just there to care for reality and i think that's what they're trying to withhold from us the alchemist seeks to strip bare the world's secrets to break it down to its building blocks and rearrange them that's again that's i love that and i love that quote by Fulconelli because it really paints a picture of a lot of people ask well what is alchemy well it's a lot of things but the way i like to look at it is i think it's a cheat code for the matrix bro it's a cheat code to be able to break out of it and i think that's what pythagoras is talking about when he said all is number if all is number it's all binary code if it's all binary yep. code then it's a program and if there's a program there's a programmer there's an architect and that's where the term watcher comes from because they're watching god at work change reality create new universes they're watching him so that's alchemy in a nutshell and that's my favorite interpretation of alchemy and we have jabir bin hayyan eighth century persian sage and this guy is the one that created the acid that goes in your battery for your car hmm. the father of modern chemistry not just some joe schmo hillbilly redneck in in the desert of arabia whatever at this point maybe so but he was a very smart redneck and he <laughs> he was talking about this is this this is the guy that created the what i call 
trying to find my text. This guy created a, a homunculus rotisserie machine is what I called it. Hmm. And he talked about how to create different versions of a homunculus based on this mold. So it was this machine with half concentric half circles. So if you think about, I forgot the name of the machine, but you know, you've ever seen those globes that they have all these weird things around them that just spin around like kaleidoscopes or almost like a kaleidoscope or like a gyroscope or something where it's like a bunch of half circles, concentric circles, just spinning around. This guy talked about making a mold and the mold had different shapes and different sizes. And depending on the size and shape, you'd get a different homunculus. But this guy talked about, Hey, any other homunculus is demonic, right? This guy wrote more than 3000 works. His books were translated more than 70 of his books were translated into other languages. And he wrote instructions on how to recreate products of nature, such as precious metals, stones, plants, animals, and you guessed it, man. And this comes from the idea of Taquin, which is the goal of certain Muslim alchemists. Taquin refers to the creation of artificial life in a laboratory up to and including human life, the most notable being Jabir bin Hayyan. So this guy said it starts off with the sperm. You put it in various molds and seal it up in a perforated vessel that can be heated up and left to putrefy. One thing that differentiates Hayyan's work from the others is that he created an apparatus with concentric half spheres in which you were to place the mold inside of the rotisserie, the homunculus rotisserie machine that is supposed to mimic the cosmic system. And depending on the shapes and size of the molds, determine the outcome of the homunculus. They vary from a young girl with a boy's face to an adolescence with the intelligence of a man. And Hayan's work goes on to describe different schools. So if a guy wanted to make a man with wings, like the one that he sewed on there, well, he took man's sperm, mixed it with the sperm or blood of a bird, and boom, you had a winged homunculus. So these ideas, again, started to evolve of like, oh, I want to make, I want to make something different. Let's, you know, step it up. Let's, let's crank it up to 10. And then we're going to start creating all these crazy monsters. Uh, Jabir writes in his book of stones that the purpose is to baffle and lead into air everyone except those whom God loves and provides for. So you have this idea of people who criticize it. That's fine. I'm only here to God's chosen people that are going to understand what I'm doing. But obviously you can see where the heretical and blasphemous things come into play there. Sure. The uh, there's this the book was written cryptically and only those who had the key or were initiated in the art of alchemy understood it to its full potential. Again, back to this initiation aspect. You need to understand you need to have the keys in order to know what he's talking about. These texts can be taken literally or can be interpreted symbolically. We will never truly know for sure. A scholar Kathleen Malone O'Connor writes from the emic perspective of the alchemist, the act known as, as the act of Taquin was an emulation of the divine creative and life giving powers of Genesis and resurrection and tap the physical and spiritual forces in nature. At the same time, it was an act through which the alchemist was inwardly transformed and purified a spiritual regeneration. So the, the phoenix, right? This regenerational, this re, the rebirth, the cycle. Such an act highlights the creative and often uneasy interrelationship of Islamic magic and science with Islamic revelation and tradition. And it just sort of disturbs me to know that these great minds of antiquity were known and what 
were messing in what's today known as the occult. I mean, there's no other way to put that. They were practicing the occult. But just like John D put a scientific approach on it. No, this is this is science. You know, we're, we're doing a psychological warfare on you. You need to get this one thing that they pushed on us. And you know how many people have reached out to me saying, wow, I regret that. I have wow. it's one of the biggest things I regret ever in my life. And I go, hey, your reality, your perception was warped through what I believe was magic Absolutely. to shut everybody else out of your life, to shun everybody, to be nasty to everybody around in your life because of something that what's the, the seven most dangerous words or nine most dangerous words, whatever it is. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure <laughs> a president said that. It was uh it was Reagan. Reagan, yeah. Was... Who was also a lover of Manly P. Hall. Mm. So, well, he was an actor, right? So he was initiated into that Holly weird sort of world, at least at some level. I mean, I mean, for God's sake, he was a president, so who knows what all. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get off on tangents, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, very, very weird. And the next one, speaking of language and warping realities, we have what some would argue is not a homunculus, but it's a form of a homunculus because Paracelsian scholar Walter Pagel argues that the story of the homunculus may have been the predecessor of the homunculus of Paracelsus, the Paracelsian homunculus. Uh, but the golem is more of an automata... And you can relate it to the, the world of robotics, AI, et cetera, et cetera, cybernetics. Hmm. The golem of Jewish literature was a man brought to life by means of religious magic. In the Talmud, Adam was created, was a golem. He was created from the, from the dirt and he was animated. The golem of Prague, which is my personal favorite and one of the more famous stories. And the reason that I relate is because it's related to Jack Parsons, which I've done an episode on because Jack Parsons' mentor at Gauset boasted about being a descendant of Judai Rabbi Lowe, the famous rabbi that created the Golem of Prague in order to guard the ghettos from Rudolf II that was anti-Semitic and it was killing the Jews. So the story goes that he brings forth this animated being from the ground and the word Emmet, meaning truth, was written on the golem's forehead. And every Sabbath, in order to let the golem rest, the E would be erased to form Met, meaning death. But one night, the rabbi forgot to erase that letter. So the golem, in some stories, he grew, grew bigger and bigger, started killing everybody, went on a rampage like a Hulk. And eventually, the rabbi was able to erase it, and the golem was able to die in some stories, he crushes the rabbi and kills him. In other stories, not so. That's Frankenstein. I'm not. I, again, there is <laughs> there is parallels to it. Eventually, Rabbi Low was notified. They subdued him, and it was stored in the attic of a synagogue. But the story is about more of the power that the language has, the Hebrew language, the the powers that it uh, it's. That it holds, right? Because when we spell, we're casting spells back against the grimoire. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I'm very careful with what I say. So this brings me to my next topic on the idea of there is always the idea, not saying I'm advocating for it, but 
of destroying your homunculus, of dissecting the homunculus, of killing it in order to achieve a magical purpose. Now, these are not my ideas. These are ideas of a 15th century theologian. And this really triggers the fuck out of people, but here it is. Jesus as the homunculus. Now, wow, that's when fun. I, <laughs> when I say that I've been down some rabbit holes, man, you're not, I've, you're, not, you're not joking, bro. I've been down rabbit holes that require you to purchase books that aren't available online that are sometimes expensive that in order to get one piece of information from that one page. So I had done an episode one time with this before we start thinking about doing homunculus once upon a time, probably about a year ago with Romy and Romy was like, well, Jesus is probably a homunculus. And I go, dude, can't be saying stuff like that on air without citing your sources, bro. That's a crazy ass idea, bro. <laughs> it turns out homie Romy from rising from the ashes podcast was right all along because little did I know that there was a 15th century theologian, Alonso Tostalo who argued with the church saying like, Hey, why is the Bible not considered a grimoire? Well, because it's a religious text. It just intrinsically is magical. That's interesting. Why can you practice from a grimoire and then we can't? It doesn't matter. It's just the way that God works. It's just the way that, you know, God works in mysterious ways. You can't question that. So this guy was questioning the paradoxes of the church. And uh, he was a writer and was uh, was writing about the paradoxes of like, hey, in this story, you said this. But then in this other story, you said this other thing. What's going on here? And he was questioning the hierarchy and the church. And he proposed that Mary was a sealed vessel. Again, a variation from the traditional homunculus. There was no sperm, but she did have menstrual blood and a womb, the matrix. And although... Tostado argued that Mary would not have enough blood for the full development. He said, well, she had enough blood for it to develop in a condensed version. Well, what's the condensed version of, of a man? Well, a small man. So, at conception, according to Aristotelian, if you follow Aristotelian biology and Paracelsian alchemical doctrines, Jesus was conceived as a homunculus. A miniature human kept in a sealed vessel from the first instant of creation. But then there was this other guy, Thomas Aquino. He said, no, 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 no. He, he was a doctor of the church, theologian. He said, no, 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 no. There was no need for sperm because the Holy Spirit is that powerful. The Holy Spirit is able to animate matter from nothingness. So therefore, Jesus is not an alchemical homunculus. No, he is, he is just our Messiah, our Savior. So you have these two schools of thought back then, which, again, you can take that for what it is. I do believe in God. I, I have accepted Jesus in my life. I was born and raised Pentecostal Christian. I just do not adhere to the dogmatic and psychological warfare that they do at the church. And that's where I stand with that. Because I'll be, oh, well, you said that Jesus is a homunculus, so you must worship Satan. Oh, absolutely not. I am merely a vessel for this information. And it's not my idea. It's a 15th century theologian. I'm studying history right now. I'm not making this up. You can look him up yourself. Alonso Tostado and Thomas Aquino. Look him up. You're going to get a set of books that's like 2,500 bucks. You can buy them if you want. You can look through them and you can make your own assumption. So it's like people accuse you of being this heretical. and Because I like heretical and blasphemous shit because it's fun. But... <laughs> Essentially, 
Akina, uh, uh, Tostado didn't want the Matrix, the womb, women, because birth is a beautiful thing, to be like the legitimacy of it to be stripped away because, you know, he, he saw it as a beautiful thing. He's like, okay, you know, women are beautiful. Creation is beautiful. I don't want to demean the, the womb. So in medieval, in medieval art to fortify this idea, there are paintings of Jesus as right. The, the baby of Madonna as the literal term, the literal definition of homunculus as a little man. And the reasoning behind that is in the, I want to say 15th century. So look up 15th century uh, man, baby Jesus, I guess. I forgot what I looked. I have some pictures somewhere. I can pull them up. But the reasoning behind their depiction of Jesus as a homunculus, the literal definition, was because they said, hey, this is the Messiah. This is our Savior. No one's going to take a baby seriously. You can't have a baby as the savior of our universe. I'm flashing back to Talladega Nights, bro. Yeah, bro. I can't so, help it. I mean, <laughs> you can't. You can't. So you need to. We need to give him some. Let me see. Some prestige. Let's draw him with a little scroll, with his hair done in a little robe. And yeah, that's, you draw him with a six pack. Yeah, you want to put a six pack on? Yeah, put him. Give him some five o'clock shadow. Give him some more credibility if you will and some some painters took it seriously bro they took it literally and they said hey you know and some i in some religious iconography baby jesus holds objects alluding to his eternal wisdom and knowledge and burling heroes madonna and child painted in the 13th century baby jesus is a tiny philosopher he wears an ancient robe holds a scroll and has the face of a man with years of philosophical experience. I'm going to send you this name so you can Google it here in the private chat. So you can pull up the picture of the, so that's the guy's name, Burling heroes. And he, he painted a bunch of different ones and they're really ugly too, by the way, I, I just want to add that because you think that you're painting one of the most important figures of history of, of, you know, arguably all time and you're going to paint him so ugly. So Google him real quick and see if you can come up with, if not, I have the pictures I can pull up too. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch. I just did a quick search too. Yeah. Let's look through a couple of these. Cause, um, it's a, it's a real thing, bro. It's not like people think wild. that you've put, pull these things. It's like, I'm a researcher, bro. Like I can, there you, there you go, bro. Still, he's got a little scroll in his, <laughs> dude, look at this one. This one is hilarious. Look at that. Look at yeah. him. Yeah, bro. Like, he's yeah, got a little full set of hair. Yeah. yeah, that's a man's face for sure. Yep. He's just yep. wearing a little tiny. I mean, <laughs> to think about this tiny man doing all these exploits now and preaching and stuff and somebody like holding him up, it, it recontextualizes things in a pretty far. Yeah, way. bro. Again, and the, this is this is history, dude. This is this is actual history. And there's there's a bunch of those different ones. Yeah, see, so possibly twelve yeah. thirties, dude. Yeah, that's insane. Look at the one right there. Look at the one that you just were hovering over. How creepy is that? The pin, the Which pin, one? the one over to the right, 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 right. right that, one, that one, that one. Oh God, yes. Look at that oh one. my God. Yeah, that's weird. Look at that. that's a full. Look, he's got freaking male pattern baldness on the top. He's got a receding <laughs> hairline on that one, bro. What is happening? Oh. 
So yeah. literally the definition of homunculus, little man. That is that is what it is there. That's he is crazy. a little man, not an alchemical one, a little man. That's a Russian. That's a Russian painting. There, there you go, bro. So Russian. Wild. Again, this is all dude, this is a I'm telling you, dude, rabbit hole for days. There's one that looks yeah. like Joe Rogan. <laughs> he's like a he's ripped, bro. I'm so let me see if you can find it. He's ripped. That's it's, so funny. It's in one. Of, yeah, it's in one of these. You can you can sit there and look for hours, but God, no, it's these are nuts, dude. I mean, absolutely crazy. I mean, yeah. this is the main sort of one right here. It looks like this yeah, is the first one that we showed is that one. But I mean, yeah, like the, even that that's portrayed. That's a teeny tiny man holding a scroll, just like, as you said. So Jesus as the homunculus is not can can be taken out of context, right? Because when people think of a homunculus, they think of the alchemical version of a homunculus, which is the the popularized 16th century. But it goes much deeper than that, which we'll get to now, because this brings us to the Paracelsian homunculus, which is Paracelsus. His name was Philippus Ariolus Theophrastus Bombastus von Hohenheim. And he shortened that to Paracelsus. He was a 16th century German Swiss physician and alchemist who established the role of chemistry in medicine. He was also a surgeon. So a lot of the things that we attribute to surgery comes from this guy. Now, this guy deserves a whole episode on his own. Can attribute an entire episode on this guy. And if you want to read a good book, which I got some of my source information from, Whoa. The Devil's Doctor. I mean, that's just that's all. Okay, it's it's about you know over three hundred pages. You can do a whole episode on him. It's by Philip Ball. Yeah, I can get in there. Paracelsus in the World of Renaissance Magic and Science, and you can read about Paracelsus. Now, Paracelsus was a very eccentric. Weird guy. The, pie, the guy was probably a, a homunculus. He was just five foot two, had a deformed skull, had wide hips, and he hated women. Some stories say that he was gay. Some stories say that he was a hermaphrodite. Some stories say that he was castrated. A lot of different stories. But this is the typical, typical, the archetype of the mad scientist comes from paracelsus the cranky old wizard that's in his cave you know these guys clothing would become discolored from the heat of their furnaces from all the hours that they spent working in the their alchemical labs trying to literally mix their shit with their piss and everything together, trying to find the philosopher's stone. That's what it's all about, bro. It's Jankum this whole time. The philosopher's bro, stone. They, these guys were literally there. You know, if you look at grimoires, like the Picatrix, which is one of the more famous grimoires, it, it literally, nothing is off the table. Your toenail clippings, your pubic hair, your excrement, your pee, everything is used. Your sweat, everything is used for a magical purpose. Though one of my favorite ones is not in the Picatrix, but I believe it was by Jabir bin Hayyan, where you use the water of a woman from the ass. That is so when a woman is washing her ass facing toward the, to the east or something like that, the water that runs off her ass, you take that water and you do something with it. 
and it does some magical thing like that it that's specific bro like i'm not even kidding like it, it got to that point it's like the booty water of some chick booty and then you start <laughs> only fans and you get fucking rich as fuck let's go right like a magical only fans you sell booty water gives you eternal <laughs> wisdom yeah i did <laughs> i make fun of of uh mark from my fan things are crazy for drinking kombucha because i'm like dude you're you're drinking homunculus water, bro. <laughs> like, there's like worms and stuff in that. He's like, no, they're not worms, bro. It's only from the canned ones, dude. Like, he gets so mad when I bring. He's like, I stopped drinking kombucha because of you, dude. And I'm like, hey, bro, you're drinking homunculus water. And don't, don't, don't blame the messenger, dude. I'm just telling you, science. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, this guy is the father of toxicology. He's a contributed a lot to modern medicine and he's the one that that wrote the dose makes the poison so because of this guy paracelsus because of him is if you get too little bit of morphine it does nothing if you get too little bit if you get too much of morphine you fucking die so this guy was like hey just the right amount works so i imagine this guy in his lab and drinking tinctures like how the chinese alchemists of Taoism were drinking mercury and dying from mercury poisoning because they were trying to live forever right they were, they were doing anything possible to extend their life that, that transhumanistic agenda that we see today trying to live forever immortality the elixir of life you can literally look up jeff bezos elixir of life there this this is modern day alchemy they're looking for for the philosopher's stone essentially again go back to this idea and this is not this is not science fiction i think to them it's a real thing and they know this but hey let, let's go ahead and de demonize it in the, the historical books this guy these guys were crazy you know they're just mixing their bo boiling their piss and mixing their poop into stuff right they were they were just crazy and paracelsus was the epitome of that he was the cranky old man walked around with a cane or a sword or something like that and there are stories about how one time he admitted to being gay and there is another story where they saw him naked and they saw what they say because they buried, they uncovered this guy's skeleton and they did test on it. And they said that he might have had some sort of disease where he would have had a huge clit and lips that look like a small ball sack. So that's why people had this. That's why he hated women, right? And the idea that when they saw him, they go, he's castrated. Look at his little penis and he's castrated. And it wasn't that he was actually a woman. Again, this is, you can read all about this on the internet. That's just a conspiracy about Paracelsus. And so Paracelsus was the one that coined the term homunculus. And he, he believed it was the pinnacle of man's creative power. The idea that man could become God. And in 1572, physician Adam von Bodenstein published a book that was supposedly based off of the work of Paracelsus. So some scholars call it a pseudo-Paracelsian text. Some say, hey, this is legit. Again, it's up to you. The natura rerum, the nature of things. And in this book, there's an argument that things are created by means of nature without art and with the aid of art. That art being spagyrics or alchemy. And he's the one that brought forth the argument of the egg. The chicken sits on the egg to putrefy the gelatinous thing inside the egg, right? The yolk and everything else. And from that putrefaction comes life. So from 
death comes life, where you have the phoenix, the rebirth. With the introduction of the homunculus, the book then states how the unnatural union of man with beast also produces offspring, though not without heresy. So he understood what he was doing. And this guy was a really religious guy or being, whatever, whatever story you want to believe. Something that he goes on to dub a monster, an example of a Paracelsian monster, because he believed that the only place that your seed needs to go is in the womb of a woman. That's the, it's strictly procreation. You can't use your seed for anything else. Just the idea of getting blue balls will rot you from the inside out, Owen. So the only way to combat that is to get castrated. There's no way around it. If you have your balls intact and you even have a lustful thought towards a woman, towards anybody else, you will rot from the inside out. So we need to cut your balls off. That's how radical this guy was. This guy was doing public book burnings on other physicians that didn't agree with him. Jesus. This guy was a radical. I'm telling you, this guy is really, really eccentric, really crazy. <clears throat> so he created something called a, known as a basilisk, which is a monster. And it's made from the menstrual blood of a woman sealed up in a flask and heated to the temperature of a horse's womb. The basilisk is considered the monster above all monsters because, and I'm quoting, because its glance can kill just like the glance of a menstruating woman who has, who also has a hidden poison in her eyes. So this guy's talking about how, how bad women's glances are and can ruin mirrors with her gaze, make wounds impossible to heal and spoil wine with her breath. The basilisk was the embodiment of women's impurities and their poisonous essence. This guy was a misogynist. He hated women. His words, not mine. And after explaining how to create a basilisk, it describes in length the homunculus and how to create one, which is essentially the masculine opposite of homunculus. It is the perfected version because it comes from the sperm, not from the menstrual blood. It's not tainted by the menstrual blood. This is what he thought. So, we must now by no means forget the generation of homunculi. Boom. This is the first drop, bro, ever of the homunculi. Oh, everybody's like, oh, shit. A homunculi. What is that? This is the first time he ever says it. For there is something to it, although it has been kept in great secrecy and kept hidden up to now. And there was not a little doubt and question among the old philosophers whether it even be possible to nature and art that a man can be born outside the female body and without a natural mother. I give this answer that it is by no means opposed to the spagyric art and to nature, but that it is indeed possible. But how this should happen and proceed, its process is thus. So he's going to explain how to create the homunculus. Boom. That the sperm of man be putrefied by itself in a cucubit for 40 days with the highest degree of putrefaction in a horse's womb, where at least so long that it comes to life and move itself and stirs, which is easily observed. After this time, it will look somewhat like a man, but transparent without a body. If after this, it is fed wisely with the acronym of human blood, it can be nourished for up to 40 weeks and kept in the even heat of a horse's womb. A living human child grows therefrom with all its members like another child, which is born of a woman, but much smaller. So the homunculus is supposed to be pure since it was not tainted by the poisonous mixture of the menstrual blood. And the homunculus, according to Paracelsus, that reaches adulthood, and this is, again, crypt, cryptids can be attributed to this, mythological creatures, 
A homunculus that reaches adulthood is said to become a marvelous being like a giant or a dwarf. They have all they have supernatural strength and they know all things hidden and secret things. They received and the reason for this being is like why is this magical being? Why is it so why is a, a, a homunculus so powerful? Well, the reason for that being is because they receive their life from art. Remember, we talked about art earlier. Through art, the, <clears throat> excuse me, try that again. They receive their life from art. Now, the lizard people don't always say it. Through art, they receive their body, flesh, bone, and blood. Through art, they are born. And therefore, art is embodied and inborn in them. And they need learn it from no one. So... He saw the homunculus as the pinnacle of the spagyric art, alchemy, whatever it was, the magnum opus. And I think that's why, back to the Jesus homunculus, the reason that Jesus is crucified and cannibalized can also be attributed to the, to the idea of him being a homunculus because he grew up into old age he was sacrificed for what? For the redemption of humanity. And his body was cannibalized in the Eucharist. That's It's supposed to be symbolic of you partaking in this, the blood and flesh of Christ in order to what? To attain some sort of ascension. It's part of a ritual. So there it plays forth into the idea of the homunculus where the homunculus is used. It's cannibalized. It's used. It's bodily fluids. It's bodily parts are used in certain magical aspects to give you magical powers. So that's that's also another part, another idea to strength strengthen that hypothesis. But you see it with the story of the golem where it needs to be killed every night, right? The rebirth of the of the the phoenix. In the story of the Frankenstein, right? He wants to kill the Frankenstein monster. Obviously he doesn't and he goes on to live on right into and he follows him around every now and again he'll leave him a note or whatever it was. But he Paracelsus thought this this was the ultimate creation. And other scholars argue, like, wait, so you're boasting about making a create an imitation, an emulation of the perfect creation, which is man, right? According, you know, man, and I also mean woman. Hum, their, human. Yeah. Yeah, human. Yeah. Right. So people are like, wait, so you're you're boasting about a, a knockoff. Why would you be happy about that? So this leads me to my final thing which i call the crowley connection mm, well that's not curious at all because he <laughs> wrote about homunculus now we have touched on the idea of using stories to occult real life events we have movies that in some hollywood movies they've put in the beginning oh based on true events when it wasn't really based on true events but in order to invoke a certain feeling in the person there's the idea of a person being a vessel. You have the movie Hereditary. What was all that about? You know, taking different body parts, putting them together in order to have a vessel for Paint Paimon, right? One of the one of the princes of hell. That's a movie. That movie at the beginning, I believe they say it's based on true events. So even if it if it's fiction, even if it is a movie, even if it's a story, it evokes real feelings, real energy based on some people who are just in a movie studio, right? There have been movies where they have taken people to court to prove that it was just a movie. I, I think it was the green inferno or one of these crazy movies that have been banned from all these, 
these or cannibal holocaust or some 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 movies that are like so dark and just bloody they're like wait prove that these people are still alive you know in court there's been movies like that there's movies who who as of recently terrifier 2 was making people feel some type of way being possessed in the in the movie theaters so i think this is all by design so we get to crowley where he wrote a book called moonchild you know it's, it's about a fight between two sects of magicians over an unborn child and that was published in 19 i want to say 1927 i could be wrong on that in 1929 he he wrote it in 1917 and it was published in 1929 by mandrake press which is interesting because the mandrake plant is also attributed to the homunculus and in 1914, I think I, I actually think I got the state wrong. I think it was like 1906 or something like that. Anyways, between September 6th and October 8th of the 1900s, early 1900s, Crowley wrote Liber 367, Valde Homunculo of the Homunculus. And he talked about how to create a homunculus. Now, you take a woman, astrological alignment needs to be lie in a certain way you take a man and they have sex in a ceremonial setting and when they're invoking certain energies she is only able to see certain things during this time and every day they do it until she is pregnant and he believed that up until the two-month mark the homun- the the fetus didn't have a soul that only happened in the third month mark and this idea that this fetus is a vessel it makes me think of the whole controversy of nowadays of why they what's what's the case i forget the name of it because i don't roe v wade roe v wade it, it makes me think of why that's such a big thing and here you have one of the greatest occultists unfortunately talking about how a fetus is a vessel for entities or spirits or whatever up into the second month mark and once uh, he he goes on to write here a human being can only become a homunculus if possessed by a demon to such an extent that the human soul is irrevocably expelled to the same degree as in death and freed utterly so that it seeks a new tenement and it is cut off absolutely from the old but even this rare as it must be except in lunacy involves an extension of the natural meaning of the term homunculus so he's taking everything from antiquity because he was also into alchemy and changing it. How I mentioned at the beginning, a magical process is meant to be changed, a magical to, to fit the practitioner. So here he is talking about his own version. So once the woman becomes pregnant, she's going to be put in a consecrated circle, right? Further, let a great circle be drawn and consecrated to the sphere of the work. And this place should be a great desert for in such do rarely wander any human souls seek an incarnation. Mind you, we're talking about the elites. You got Crowley, you got Parsons, you got Marjorie Cameron, and I related to Epstein. Because a consecrated circle, well, a consecrated circle, they thought that that at the James Shelby Downard believe that a homunculus was inside the almost half mile 
A half million pound giant steel bottle named Jumbo at the U.S. government placed near that the U.S. government placed near Ground Zero on July 16, 1945, <clears throat> known as the Trinity Site in New Mexico, the land of enchantment. And if you look at that site, it's like a big 14 sided shape. And not far from that. So keeping that in mind that the U.S. government. Big surprise was trying to animate a homunculus, according to. Mr. Downard here. And there's other movies like some people have tagged me on Twitter, some connections to this show, Twin Peaks and all that stuff that shows and that strengthened this, this conspiracy theory. Cause now we're getting into the speculative realm, right? I finished talking about the history of the homunculus with actual dates, names. You can look all this up yourself. And I'm adding this touch cause I like to relay everything to modern day. Cause I do believe that they're using magic of antiquity and modern day. It's the same thing. And this next part that I'm going to be talking about, this is purely speculation on my end, connections that I've made. But not far from the Trinity site, you have the house, the Zorro Ranch of Epstein, which we all know who that piece of shit is. But he had a 33,339 square foot ranch, right? Weird numbers. Yeah. It's just a coincidence. Yeah. And it was, it was on 10,000 acres, about 100 air miles, 180 air miles away from the Trinity site in New Mexico, the land of enchantment. And we're talking about using a fetus essentially as a talisman, right? That's that's a sense. That's essentially what it is. Talismanic magic using outside influences because Crowley's talking about letting an entity go into this fetus and letting it grow up. Some people say that the Babylon working ritual gave birth to some say Hinton, that's why the magical name of Marjorie Cameron was Hilarion, Hillary Clinton. You have all those crazy because the, the same time that that happened was around the same year Hillary Clinton was born. So, again, you have all these stories, movies, Rosemary's Baby about what? About invoking right, Satan's, ant, the Antichrist, the baby of Satan, whatever. And it turns out that Roman Polanski was doing what? Oh, raping girls too, right? After the fact that he made that movie that was about the rape of a child. He had to escape to another country because he was also raping kids. So these occultists are making these movies based on what I believe. I believe Moonchild was a hint at that, that Crowley tried to make a homunculus or a Moonchild. Just how Marjorie Cameron also tried to make a homunculus, an interracial homunculus in a cult she had made called The Children after Parsons had died. Parsons was jerking off in the desert trying to summon a homunculus as well with L. Ron Hubbard in the Babylon working. So again, these... They're piggybacking off of each other, and we land at Epstein, where at his Zorro Ranch, there is a consecrated circle outside of it, in the middle of a desert between on 10,000 acres of land, where allegedly at this house, they had the elites visiting there. They had a whole basement full of camera equipment to where they would do things to people there so they could have blackmail, the same thing we saw with Gisley Maxwell and everything in New York that they had this honey pot where they would let these elites do all these things so they would have dirt on them, right? They were doing this in New Mexico. Also, there was the, the article that came out that he was trying to impregnate 20 women at once in order to seed a master race. So is it connected? Was he trying to make an army of homunculi or of people i don't know this is again it's pure speculation but when you start to the cutest into, cutest uh, army ever 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> no, no, but like, no, it's no. I I love this. I love the idea of speculation, and you know, just a bit ago you were talking about, and basically, ultimately, like what we're trying to find is truth. Like, mm-hmm. and and so we have, we can speculate. We can dig and start to make connections, and I think we're going to make an incredible discoveries. And I even I, for the end, right after I've gone on this whole thing with history, and this is not too long ago. It was in 1917, 19, early 1900s. It's not too long ago that these guys are writing about this. And if you follow the Illuminati agenda or the reptilian agenda, they're piggybacking off of one another. So, of course, they revere these occultists of back then. Who exposed these secrets and hey wonder what happens if i try it i have all this money i have all these all this land all this stuff why not look at this grim war and also try it myself wow okay it's the faustian pact it's the it's the you know mephistopheles helps wagner make the homunculus but it only works because mephistopheles is there and he helped with his magical demonic powers help make the homunculus so what's the homunculus doing he's trying to i want to be a real boy you know i want to be a real person yeah Yeah, exactly so he's he's uh what's pinocchio a talisman he was you know a boy i want to be a real so that's the whole again you see these reflections of these stories stories that's just how they are stories right but they speak to the subconscious quietly they're they're in there working as you're watching and you're in a trans like stage just Oh, this is a really great. You know what I'm saying? You go there and and you you go to this temple, uh, a, a theater, where you sit down and you and you have the screen in front of you. It's an initiation, essentially. It's what it is, bro. Like if you really look at all these things, it's all, it's all an initiation. So if you look at the pictures of the Zorro Ranch, there is a consecrated circle outside of it. Damn. And I believe that this was a place where Epstein was using this to try and create a homunculus, and then. Before this, you have Marjorie Cameron Kimmel, and she, again, in California, in the middle of nowhere, she gathered a loose clique of magical practitioners around herself with the what she called the children, and she was trying to make an interracial muncha, so it was pretty much an orgy. Uh, she eventually became pregnant. Uh, she was talking about how her child was the Wormwood Star, <laughs> so pretty much the Antichrist, whatever you want to call it. Eventually, that one ended in a miscarriage, but she ended up having another child. She's alive today, actually. Wow. And, yeah, Epstein reportedly had the warped idea of using the ranch for inseminating women with his sperm with the aim of creating a master race. So I relate that to modern day. And then you have what I mentioned earlier. You have Epstein and all these guys. You have the Kardashians using surrogate mothers. Well, alchemically speaking, those are alchemical vessels that, again, they are the the egg is outside the womb. They do everything outside the womb, outside the matrix, and they insert it in to the woman to later have the baby, which I also believe that they plan the astrological alignments. And I was watching the Kardashians the other day for research purposes, of course, with my wife, and she was boasting about how the mom was boasting about how it was going to be a Leo. I'm saying like, Oh, what does a Leo put out there? You know, astrology also plays a big role into all these magical practices. Well, Leo is, you know, the charismatic, you know, they're in the limelight. So they need somebody like that. And I think that it all goes back to the alchemical 
homunculus. The homunculus of antiquity, whatever you want to call it. And they're trying to do the same thing today. And if you look at a lot of these elites, they've had a lot of surrogate birth. I'm not saying all. I mean, I call my kids homunculus, but, you know, they don't, you know, sometimes I'll look at my, at my, at my son. And I'll be like, man, like, like the Dave Chappelle skin, like you were in my balls, man. My <laughs> <laughs> totally. wife was like, don't say that to him. I'm like, bro, you were in my, in my ball sack. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's, it's crazy. So uh, that's, that's what I got. And this is a, a developing field. And there's every time I, I, again, it's three degrees of separation from any major topic. So every now and again, I'll be researching something. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like the, a little bit of like some homunculus talk. And, and, you know, I add it to the, to the repertoire and the, the mind palace in order to bring it up later. But absolutely. I think that these elites are reading these same texts. They know about it. It's not a big secret and they use it for, to, to literally rule the world. I mean, that's what they're all about. And I think they're alive and strong today and they're still doing it, bro. I, again, centuries and centuries and centuries have passed. You don't think somebody has thought, huh? I wonder, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, I'm not say, you know, whatever. We don't have any, I guess, substantial sort of proof of this necessarily. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's one thing that I think about too, because we were, we were shooting holes in the uh, mud flood theory. Um, at first I was like really interested in that when people were talking about it. Um, but you watch a couple of videos of a landslide and tell me that uh, a building is going to stand up and all the ground is going to move around it. It's just, that's not how a landslide works. So as much as I want to romanticize ideas and I believe there could have been a more sophisticated, logical, rational, better civilization behind us. Sure. I, I romanticize all that shit. Um, but I'm not, but I'm not buying that, but I do remember like some of these different documentaries and stuff that I'd seen with like test tube babies at the world's fair and things like that. Like, wait, what? So I remember one of these, one of these uh, documentaries that I saw it was E. Warrenon. It's like a long ass documentary and it's supposed to be a flat earth documentary. He talks about the mud flood. He talks about like all these things and he connects a bunch of different stuff together. At some point they're talking about the world's fair specifically, I believe the one in Chicago and how they had these babies and in incubators in these world's fairs that people would oh, go yes. and look at. Yes. And that was always curious to me because the, the one thing that they talk about in there is, you know, they show all these pictures of just like huge buildings and, and, and empty towns, empty San Francisco, empty, uh, you know, Russia. And these buildings oh, check are, this out. <laughs> are built like way, way before. And there's people with horse and buggy. Yeah, let me put this up. Oh, let me take this freaking ad thing on here. But so you know one of the out. yeah one yep. of the big theories is that they repopulated the earth basically. What I, what did I pull up yesterday? Trust the science. Saved by the seance. <laughs> Twins displayed in incubators at Chicago's second World's Fair are now eighty four and nestled happily oh, in the suburbs. Wow, bro, <laughs> dude! <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that is some creepy shit. So what is an NPC? Oh, dude, I did a whole thing on that and people got pissed off. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, to me, this stuff could be somewhat 
potentially correlated. I'm not saying that it is. We're we're in the speculation portion anyway, and that's I think that's fun. I mean, Dude. I think that's part of the part of the good times of all of this shit. You just unlocked like a new whole section. Check this out: the strange case of Doctor Coney, a mysterious how a mysterious mysterious European showman saved thousands of American babies. Wow, bro! You just blew my mind right now, bro. What the fuck? It's like new level unlocked. Yes, bro. Yeah. No, I gotta hit the button, dude. I gotta hit the button. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> we're getting too close to the truth here bro so yeah that's really interesting because i'm I'm gonna say it bro what if a court according to tartarian doctrines i'm just gonna add that there what if these right because they talk about the the train orphans which i relate Mm -hmm. the train to alchemy because it's you know the the movement of the the burning and the reburning of certain things to create ash and that's the alchemical process the whitening and the burning the blackening what if the babies that they say have populated all these cities were actually homunculus bro well that's yeah i mean that's it doesn't make sense. Where do all these fucking orphans come from? And then if you look back into those times, think about all the fiction, which we know is propaganda that's being pumped out at the time. It's all fucking orphan children. Please sir, can I have samosa? You know, every fucking book is orphans. So they're targeting that entire demographic of orphans. Living babies in incubators. So, wow, dude. All the all the world loves a baby. Okay, yeah, I, th- I think I've seen, I think I've seen enough of this. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, but there's, it's pretty interesting to see how quickly the world is being populated and why whoever they are, you know, the elite just devalue human life so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, pre- you know, if they can just wave a wand and then pff, there's just thousands of people populating a place they're like we need we need more people we need more workers think about that industrial age right the early 1900s we need people to be able to make all this shit and put all this stuff together and work in factories and put doors on cars and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff so we need a big you know labor force the some of the interesting ideas and theories from like the whole flat earth mud flood tartaria thing um you know i people have presented it in a lot of different ways but some of those are some of the points are pretty interesting, like specifically things like the world's fair and all the electricity that it would have taken to, to have that, like that was apparently not possible at that time. So there's a big loophole or plot hole there. The whole babies in the incubator thing. You know, I don't, you know, I remember, I remember seeing that, but I, I, again, this was before I had even thought about the homunculus, but now I think, I know we're shitting on the Tartarian crowd right now, but I think that they're going to like me more after I start talking about Tartaria and maybe them having homunculus. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's no telling even the flat earth stuff, right? Like I had David Weiss on and I've had, I'll, and I'll continue to have people who have, because I'm more of a simulation guy anyway. So to me, I don't know, like space does kind of seem fake. I don't know what NASA's doing. I've seen so many videos. It's fake and homosexual. <laughs> so, you, you, so the way we talk about it is as you're launching in this phallus up into space, right? You got the the, the Jeff Bezos replica of his dick launching into space. 
maybe perhaps that's why they only went to a certain height because they said if we cross if we cross this threshold we become homosexual i think that's what if they're <laughs> i don't hinting, think they're scared of being gay man what if they're hinting at the fact that the gays come from outer space i don't know i mean that's just that's just <laughs> just running around with moloch you know <laughs> Just snapping each other with towels and shit. People are gonna fucking hate this episode, bro. <laughs> no, no, don't hate it. We're only here speaking the truth. We gotta add, you know, we gotta have a little bit of humor that's here. That's part like, of the that's... alchemical process. Add a little bit of because people tell me all the time, bro. They'll be like, dude, I really enjoy your videos. I really enjoy how you're bringing this this knowledge, and then you know, I'll be locked in a trance and taking this information, and I don't know where you just put in a jig joke or something, and you just snap <laughs> me out of it, and I laugh my ass because you're not expecting it. So I think that's that's part of my secret, where you just sprinkle in a little bit of the a little bit of the the comedy, and you gotta have fun, bro, because a lot of these topics do get dark and fucked exactly, up and exactly. all this stuff. So you gotta have fun with it, and I have a dark sense of humor. I was talking to my wife about how some people don't understand me because I have a sarcastic <laughs> sense of humor too. So people sure. think I'm being serious about a lot of things I'm talking about. And to add to the to the concept of, I, I look at it how Terrence McKenna talks about it, where you can have these these toys and these toys are made of ideas, words, thoughts, and you manipulate them and you put them back on the shelf. Just because we're talking about, you know, maybe perhaps some people being NPCs or homunculus or whatever, except for the people who have reached out to me saying that they believe that they're homunculus. You know, I'm not saying that it's just an idea that we're talking, we're conversing about it. We're coming to a conclusion and putting that toy back. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't, don't take it for face value sometimes. You know, you can have a conversation because yep. some people get so wrapped up in these ideologies and they go, oh, well, you just said that. Yeah, I said that. And what? What are you trying to get? At? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous if someone writes you off just because you have one differing opinion of them. I see it all the time. But I mean, that is like totally I'm done with you now. You say one thing I don't agree with. But the truth of it is, is like what what is the old saying? And I guess it's attributed to Aristotle, I think. But it's like mark of an educated mind is to be able to uh, entertain two thoughts at the same time. And of course he'd say that, bro. I mean, he was just talking about some other shit. <laughs> we just yeah, finished covering. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he was the OG podcaster. Like, wait guys, it's the mark of an educated man to talk about things without <laughs> accepting them. Hear me Boom. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a politician, bro. Fucking famous. Dude, like, mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some weird shit in there, but I mean, but ultimately, right? Like the whole point is to explore it and ultimately hopefully find some truth. And we've been wrong. I've been wrong. Like I got, you know, of, about all kinds of things. It's okay. It, th that's part of the process is like pulling back the layers. So, you know, it's so easy to get triggered. And especially once we've changed one, from one belief system to another belief system or paradigm or mental map or whatever, like then we just carry on triggers that are just we still get triggered the same. They're just different words that trigger us. It's about really opening that up and being like, okay, look, I can, <laughs> I don't really know what's going on here. Let's, let's unpack this stuff. Let's see where it takes us and learn how to not get fucking triggered. You know, that's a large part of my work is like doing our own that's mental art. modeling, right? Like we have a map. The map is not the territory, but we have a map and we see the territory based on that map. So if we can kind of get rid of some of this shit that's holding us back, these little weird beliefs and programs that we've been indoctrinated into, and you don't see the thing that you are blind to, right? And so kind of going in there and being really, really intentional about 
our mind, then, you know, I think we can open up to more and more levels of understanding. Like you're talking about new level unlocked, you know, yeah, new level unlocked. That's exactly. like, it was like a shadow character. And then when you unlock it, like you see, it's just a silhouette first. And like, you just unlock like a whole new level. Like, Oh, Shit. exactly yeah or like the idea of the homunculus like the little man inside the head right like it yeah. makes me think of the eastern observing yeah because it's like what are you i didn't who's watching the thoughts at that mm -hmm. point right and then turtles all the way down one of my favorite quotes i love robert anton wilson now you like, can say homunculi all the way down right homunculi are gonna be like, what the down. fuck are you talking about well the homunculus <laughs> argument is this narrative fallacy that talks about the homunculus is like the russian doll you know there's all so yeah. Dude, it's wild. Little baby man. Jesus. Little, you know? yeah. I mean, <laughs> the the history is there. For those that want to confirm it, feel free. And that was again. I like to leave the speculation. Whenever I do an episode, I like to leave the speculation for the end because that way you get everything. That even then, history is subjective too, bro. Like you can't oh, take for that sure. for face value. There's so many and, different sides to that. That so, so many we don't even hear. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I, I just admire you for putting the work in and following your curiosity. Cause I mean, it's like you said, three degrees of separation. I couldn't agree more. Like all of these things are, they're written. I mean, they're written up. There's Crowley. I'm looking at it right now on this other screen. Like yep. here's the whole fucking procedure, right? Like <laughs> here's a pre the, the, the beginning, the second part and like exactly how to carry all of this out, which is creepy as shit. I wouldn't have even known. <laughs> yeah and that again one of the greatest occultists of all uh, arguably one of the greatest occultists of all time everybody right the, the guy everybody loves to hate i hate Crowley, but the the fact that he is also has a, a role in this idea really blew my mind away i did i had no dude until i started looking into it i didn't know that he was writing about this stuff too and then when i say you pull it up you go oh he wrote this in the early 1900s not that long ago it's you not. know what i mean and he's talking about how the greeks were involved in things like this too. When a woman was pregnant, she could only intake certain movies, certain arts, at the, like certain plays at that time, certain music, certain foods, certain things during the gestation period. Like that's history. So it, it comes to back to the whole eugenics and certain people being able to interbreed. And in the Bible, it talks about illicit mixtures, abominable mixtures. Like you can't mix certain people together. You can't mix certain linens together. You can't mix certain animals together because of not because it can't be done. You know, cloning is illegal in a lot of uh, different countries. Not because it can't be done, but because they don't want you to do it. <laughs> so why make something that's impossible illegal? Good point. You, Yeah, you don't have to do that, right? Exactly. It's like, oh, it's just make-believe. Let's make it illegal. Let's, let's, let's check these motherfuckers. Well, as long here. as a guy in a white coat does it, then it's fine. Trust the seance. You know what I'm right. saying? Like it's going to go back to, I'm going to put that on a shirt too, by the way, that design that I showed you, it's going to be on a shirt. I love that. So I'm, I'm I got to do some touch-ups on it, but yeah, that, that's, that's part of it, bro. And the homunculus is just another chapter in the weird tales of the one one podcast. And I know I want, I know Tripley and, and Johnny, they were all about it too. They were really into it. And like, I'm telling you, there's something about the subject that just draws people in. It's like, there's, and again, there's a lot of haters on it too, but, I don't give a shit because I'm here to talk about interesting things that Juan likes to talk about. That's why it's Dude, the Juan on Juan podcast. Fuck yeah, yeah. And I love your show. love what you're doing. I think it's great. I'd love to do another episode. Maybe we get uh, Paranoid American. We can talk about alchemy and the history of that maybe or something. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm -hmm. He's the one that he, he knows a lot about Paracelsus. And when him and I get together, it's like this this 
alchemical explosion that happens and we like put out just great stuff and that's why i'm trying to keep it going strike while the iron's hot we are making similar to uh the mk ultra pam pamphlet how he did up the mk ultra one we're going to be doing a homunculus one on that one that one's underway right now and it's going to be the entire history of the homunculus how he did here with the mk ultra it's going to be wow. all about the homunculus and i'm really cool. looking forward to that that's awesome. So. I love that, dude. Fuck yeah. That's badass. Yeah, you guys are doing great. Um, yeah, I've had you both on the show separately, so I'd love to get you both on at the same time. And we can, I think that might be a good topic if y'all are down and we'll talk about that later. But dude, I'm, of course, make sure all your links are in the show notes. Is there anything? I'm going to put this out today because it's fucking <laughs> holidays, you know? Yeah. This is will be an interesting thing for people who are traveling this week and going. <laughs> it might make some, for some interesting people chatting. What the chatting. fuck is this guy talking about, honey? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you really want to fucking freak your, your family out at the dinner table? Bring up homunculus, right? Well, last, you know, it's better than 9-11. Okay, let's just be honest. <laughs> it's like, let's normalize having the homunculus talk with your kids. Like, hey, let's sit down, Billy. You know, you might have been a homunculus. Uh, we made you. It's like, what are you talking about, Dad? You know, what I'm saying like, let's normalize that it's at the like dinner the table. Talk. You know, let's let's like how my how my <laughs> how my hat says, make esoterica great again. Okay. You know, I'm gonna make one make the homunculus great again <laughs> because you know, <laughs> make Jesus homunculus again. Uh, don't yeah, don't that that one that one would really trigger people. You mother. Yeah, fucker. So I get it. I get it. No, I I appreciate that. I have a lot of people in my life who are Christians. I have. I'm certainly not trying to be uh, disrespectful of anybody's beliefs or any of that. Yeah, no. Again, I love Jesus, bro. He's he's awesome. So he can definitely take a joke. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you know, after after everything the man's been through, I'm pretty sure a joke it's is the fine. least of his worries. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, dude, thank you so much, dude. I'm stoked about this this one. Thanks again, and we'll be in touch very very soon. Anything you want to let people know about uh before we get out things that you should check out any any of that kind of stuff yeah youtube channel one-on-one podcast my website the one-on-one podcast.com and i have all my stuff on there my comic you can find my comic book on there my journals and you can hit me up on instagram at the one-on-one podcast on twitter tiktok i don't have facebook so that's pretty much it find me on there i usually respond back to everybody unless you're a fucking weirdo and yeah, <laughs> so catchy on there bro word word i'll put all those links down below for everybody and dude thank you so much have a nice rest of your afternoon there in uh in sunny florida and uh yeah man we will talk very very soon appreciate you bro